Welcome to episode 73 of the Kraken Pod. It is the first episode of the Kraken Pod that is a playoff episode. Can you feel it? This is a podcast for Seattle Kraken fans, those new and old to hockey, and hockey fans looking to have fun. Along with you, we try to go into what lies beneath when it comes to everything Seattle Kraken and the NHL. And the, the night is tonight. Here it is. We are ready to see the Kraken's first ever playoff appearance. And we're pretty pumped because we actually have a great preview. We teamed up with the enemy, uh, Christian and Griffin, the boys from the Tell It Avs It Is podcast. We got some insights from them on, on the Avalanche, and it was a pretty cool chat. So they've got some awesome insight, and we talk about the uh, the Kraken and make our predictions as well. The first night of the playoffs was last night, which would be Monday night, if you're listening to this, whatever, just so you know. Um, by the way, we got spammed. Hopefully, you didn't get spammed or scammed. Uh, we have impersonators. I guess we've reached a new level of success. We have a merch giveaway, which is why we got scammed, spammed. We'll explain. In the Kraken reaction, a surprise injury just before the playoffs from a key player that we love. Great. Awesome. No dumb questions. How does playoff overtime work? It's different than the regular season. This is a great question that comes from a fan and our three stars of the week. What did Joey and I do last week in our personal lives? What are we loving right now? What are we into? We'll share that with you. We are definitely into the playoffs. Let's go. Episode 73 of the Kraken Pod. It is time. Let's do it. What is up? My name is Jeff Januzic, and this is my friend and co-host, Joey Cirillo. Well, first of all, I want to say off the top is Joey is now a uh, published writer. Um, he wrote you. he wrote an awesome piece uh, in a New Orleans um, newspaper, which is pretty mm-hmm. awesome, just describing um, food at Jazz Fest, which Jazz Fest yeah. is huge huge a huge deal here in new orleans it's two weekends of like just uh, you know big festival concerts it's like our version of coachella um but less eh, it's it's grungy but not like so crunchy granola i guess is the word there or ravey i'm not sure anyway dude playing so it's not i get what you're saying you know you know like (laughs) it's better it's new orleans is better but man congratulations on um having this piece uh published it's great and there's more to come so congrats thanks man i it's pretty cool if people are really that curious it's a where you at like w-h-e-r-e-y-a-t and there's a digital version you can read um yeah i'm pretty pumped i did not think that they would give me a full page um in their jazz fest issue which is a really big deal little thing i noted though the page they gave me was page 32 jeff no the vibes oh yeah really i I, it's page 32 of the issue and the entire page is me and i'm like yo 32 cracking vibes dude i know i'm just saying that gave me chills i don't know what angel numbers are but i think that this is what it means right like this is what an angel number is I would, yeah, I would say so. This is, uh, yeah. I mean, we are a vibes podcast, good vibes, vibes only. Yeah. Oh, that's huge, man. I didn't realize yeah. that. Cool. So, and speaking of numbers, this is actually episode 72. So we lied to people oh, in the crap. intro. <laughs> is it 72? Last week was 72. I double, I'll double check. Yeah, you're good. Last episode okay. was 71. You're good, man. We're going to keep, we're going to keep that. We're fine. 
No, we got it, but we we have to make sure because once we reach like a hundred, <laughs> you know what I mean, like those key numbers. Like, what if we got to like five hundred episodes? I know. Once we like reach a hundred, it's like, do we keep saying the number? Like, how, we'll figure it out. We have time. Yeah. yeah, this is seven. This is seventy-two. I'm on page thirty-two. It's all good, man. The vibes are the vibes are peaking. What's going on with you? Oh man, so much is happening, but I'm just pumped about the NHL playoffs. Um, you know, last night was the first night of the NHL playoffs. Kraken play tonight. Um, you know, on Twitter, uh, the Kraken Pod fam, they yeah. are feeling it. I'm seeing pictures of uh, people wearing their playoff stuff, their their Kraken stuff to work. Everybody's anxious. Everybody's amped. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually went to bed early last night so I could be ready for the game tonight and actually stay up and watch the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'm going to drink because that'll just make me t- tired for future playoff games. So like, I'm just mm-hmm. going like, I'm all in it for the playoffs here, man. I'm like ready just to watch playoff hockey. Did you watch any games last night? I did not. I had a busy night. I actually had a, uh, a friend of mine who like really helped me out in terms of like starting to do published writing. And she just had a book launch and her book launch was last night. And so as you know, to show support, I went, sat there and did that whole thing and then check out a bar check out a bar on the corner so i had a pretty busy night i did not but i am gonna go the opposite direction of you i am absolutely drinking i will be pounding beers for veneers is on my (laughs) list today of things to do is go to the store to make sure i have plenty of beers uh so i'll be ready to roll for these playoffs i know it's a marathon not a sprint but i sprint marathons baby so i'm ready to go i will be uh i'll be not sober i like I know we're going to get into this in the three stars of the week, but, and I know I speak for a lot of uh, Kraken fans when I say this, this is my first time in my entire life. I am 38 years old where I have had a team to root for in the Stanley cup playoff. Like, I feel like Ricky Bobby, like I don't know what to do with my hands. Like I'm so, I'm just so freaking pumped, man. Like it's, it's actually like a, it's, it's a weird feeling. Like it doesn't feel, it's very surreal. Like I'm just trying to wrap my mind around the fact that I get to watch the Stanley Cup playoffs, and I have a fucking team that's in it. Like, this is just a massive, massive day. I could not be more pumped. Uh, it's going to be a long day. We got to kill a lot of time. Obviously, we're recording this on Tuesday morning, the yes. eve of the, the Kraken Avalanche playoff game. But I got, I, I got to tell you is, you know, during the regular season, it's, it's hard for me to even watch all the Kraken games, let alone other NHL games. And there's honestly a lot of NHL regular season games that I just, eh, I don't want to watch. It's just, you know, garbage or I don't, I don't care about, right? But the playoffs, it's different. The vibe is different. And I love every single playoff game that I can get my hands on because last night was just a testament to this. It was awesome. And it will be for two months. And, and honestly, the first round is probably the, the best because we've got multiple games every single night, which is fantastic. So, yep. you know, even after watching the cracking game or before the cracking game, you should really check in on a few of these other games, especially too, because in addition to the crack in Colorado game, which is you know late for us, uh, central time, mm-hmm. but you got Winnipeg and Las Vegas playing Tampa and Toronto, yes. New York and New Jersey. Like all these matchups are just, there's so many storylines and it's, yeah. it's awesome. So, uh, last night, last night was exciting. Um, a lot of, a lot happened. Um, Carolina, that's an exciting place to play in Carolina. The The Hurricanes beat the Islanders 2-1. to one. The, mm-hmm. Isles, the Isles made it really super interesting. They almost pulled it off. I watched, watched the last couple of minutes. They almost they, That's going to be a series right there. A lot of people predicting an upset by the Islanders there. 
Um, but I, I don't know. I think Carolina is going to kind of pull through and, um, and make things happen, but it was exciting and fun. And I'm telling you like the atmosphere in Carolina, um, watching that game is exciting. And that's, what's awesome too, about you'll notice this is like the, every goal, everything that happens on the ice is you're so hyper tuned in fans are so hyper pumped. Um, you know, obviously tonight, the avalanche, if they score, right. I mean, I don't even know if they're going to score tonight, but like, it's going to explode. It's exciting. It's infuriating. Everything that happens in the NHL playoffs is amplified and it's completely Mm -hmm. different than the, the regular season. Uh, Carolina kind of showed that last night. They win two to one. They lead the series one, nothing. Yeah. Um, the Boston, the Boston, Florida series. I think Florida could steal a game or two here. Boston did look like Boston. They looked, I mean, I watched probably half that game. Mm-hmm. Um, the only, the only time they, they scored is when uh, they, I don't know what they were doing, but like, uh, like no look pass from off the boards in their own zone. Uh, one of the Boston players sent it right across to Matthew Kachuk, who just roofed it. Um, but other than that, they dominated. So Boston wins 3-1 over Florida. Now, the, the Western Conference games, holy shit, dude. Yeah, what happened? There was a lot, of, uh, a lot of drama. And really quick, before we get into the Western Conference things, I have to admit something that's going to really upset you. Um, by the way, there's still time. We created a bracket challenge for the yeah. playoffs. The link was shared. Go on our Facebook, go on our Twitter at Crack and Pod for both. You can still sign up for the for the playoff bracket challenge. We don't know what the prize will be for whoever takes first, um, but we'll we'll figure that out. We just want to have some fun with these playoffs. Here's where you're going to be upset with me. Um, a couple of things. I I picked uh, I picked Carolina over the Islanders. I'm yeah. with you. I, I I do like the Islanders. I don't. I don't see why everyone is picking the upset. Like, I, I just, I don't get it. Like, I just don't think they're a complete team. Like, give me Carolina. But this is where you're going to be upset with me. Um, in my rational bracket, in my, like, non-Kraken fandom, where I have the Kraken, like, winning the whole fucking thing, um, I, I, I took Boston to win the entire thing, dude. I, they're not a fluke. They were that hot, you know, the, the entire season. And, and you know, for, for various, like, you know, points throughout the season i was like oh these guys are gonna eventually no like this is who they are they are that fucking good they're that talented and i I don't root for the bruins like i'm just i'm kind of indifferent when it comes towards them but i just can't deny that talent man so i I have boston taking it i i agree with you but i don't think they're gonna make it i don't think they're gonna make it because they've been going hard all season long and it hasn't been effortless and I'm, i'm just in my experience the teams that have these amazing records, they at some point just start to choke. And I think some story in the Eastern conference will develop a non Boston story because everybody's Jersey devil story. That's very likely. I don't think so. I don't know. Really? I I think, I think I, so I'd Mm. be happy with that, but I, I picked the Rangers to, I, I took New Jersey. See, I took the Rangers to beat, the the Bruins in the Eastern Conference Finals and go to the Cup Final. Okay, All right, and I actually picked the Oilers to make it, but the last night I took the Oilers happen. too. So we're, yeah. we're 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 similar there. But I think you know. Uh, anyway, we'll get to that score in a second there. But I'm I'm with you, man. Is um you know Boston did look really good last night, and they really they kind of choked out the Panthers. But um 
The Western Conference predictions, I I don't know. I did pick the Wild to beat Dallas, and the Wild, so they win last night 3-2. to two. I took the did, Wild as well, and I fucking hate that I did because I li- I root for Dallas, but my, I took I took the Wild. Nah, I hate Dallas. Always hate Dallas. Um, oh, come on, man. How can you not root for, for uh, Otter? Yeah, I mean, I like I like the players, but it's just one of those teams that I just can't like. It's like I get, I get it. the Avalanche. I actually don't hate the Avalanche anymore. I mean, the the team I hate, but like the players I well, like. We hate you them know? now because they're playing the Kraken. Well, yeah, that's all bets are off. They fucking suck. They can suck yeah. it. <laughs> um, but last so last night the Wild, you know, it's like Kaprizov scores a goal, so that guy's back. He's Which you know, you said was going to happen. You're like he's going to come back and it's going to be on and look and look what happened game one. Yep, yep, and um. And and there's there was a huge fight. So there was a, a hit on Joe Pavelski, who he's injured. He's out. They're not saying they don't think he's coming back for game two. But um, Matt Dumba, 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 Dumba. Um, Dumba, Dumba. As as they scored a goal, um, he just floored Pavelski. Right. And um, mm-hmm. Pavelski goes down. There's a huge like mix up, big fight. Um this is going to be a series right here. So, like, that was chippy. They were angry. It was a tight game. So, watch this series. I can't wait for, uh, you know, honestly, during the regular season, a Dallas Stars-Minnesota Wild game, I'm, like, skipping that one big time. But I'm going to be watching on on uh, Wednesday night. This is going to be an awesome game. So, Minnesota is up one game to nothing. And then la- I went to bed last night. I fell asleep, um, and I noticed that the Oilers, the Oilers were up 2 nothing. Right mm-hmm. over the Kings. I'm like, oh, well, actually, they're living up to the hype. Awesome. I wake up, Kings, Kings beat him in overtime. <laughs> oh, man. It's <laughs> well, brutal for us who took Edmonton in the series and they, and they blow a 2 nothing lead in game one. That is not a good sign. No, the 4 3 overtime. Great question uh, for Notum questions, which is worth revisiting is like, wait a second, overtime playoffs is different than the regular season? It is, and we'll explain. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot, lot of I, I've been hearing a lot of different people, and the Kings are a good team. They've been a good team all season long. But a lot of people actually are, are thinking the Kings could could do it. I, I I'm kind of still thinking Edmonton could, but you, I mean, man, that when they lost in overtime, fans were throwing shit on the ice in Edmonton as they should because Edmonton, you know, they've got a lot of hope. They really turned it on in the last like quarter of the season. Looked amazing for them to lose game one at home. I mean. For most teams, if they lose game one at home, I think it's survivable. But I'm wondering if there's some shakiness now there. So awesome night of hockey, dude. You've got to watch some non-cracking games for sure. I'm, I'm going to. I just had a busy night last night. Um, yeah, that's pretty insane. And this is what we talked about with teams that come in. And there are so many expectations. Like they are shouldering, right? Like they, they have the burden on them. Edmonton expected to win. You and I picked them to go to the Stanley Cup final. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you have a two nothing lead at home and you end up losing to L.A. I don't know, man. That's a that's a that's a real, real big move. On a side note, I was listening to uh, the part of my take podcast and they had um, they had Ryan Whitney on. And um, obviously they're breaking down every single matchup. And uh, he predicted the Kraken to get obliterated by Colorado. Oh, I know. I he said that. he said five. He was like, maybe six. He goes, but I'll give them five. And, uh, you know, he didn't do it in a way to, like, blast the team. He actually was like, I really like Seattle. What they've done in, you know, from year one to year two is incredible. The fan base is great. So he was like, I really want to see them get a win at Climate Pledge because I want to see that atmosphere. 
And he's like, but overall, just the Avs are going to mop the floor with them. And I was like, that's an interesting take. We'll talk more about this with the guys from the the Tell It Avs It Is podcast here coming up in a minute. But yeah. I'm 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 so pissed. And looks, they we don't know. We really don't know. I mean, I'm with this, you. I'm with you 100. It just seems like the national media consensus is like cracking. Just get you know our fucking here. shit waxed, and it's like it really. I'm going to compare the Kraken to the Islanders, right? And um, but so, a much more likable Islanders. Right. The Islanders, you know, they've got playoff experience because they've they had a deep playoff run a couple of years ago. They're they're I mean, they're doing they've been they've they've been on a roll in the playoffs, right? So they've had that experience. That's the one knock against the Kraken is the, the, there's plenty of players on the Kraken that have playoff experience, but the team as a whole do not. Mm-hmm. And there is something to that. There is something to that is that having playoff experience does matter. But what pisses me off is you've got national media like those guys, right? Uh, who are like all about, oh man, I think the Islanders can do it. Now, now look, the Islanders also have a world-class goalie, one of the best on the planet. Yeah. Um, you know, we I love our goalies, but they're not. So that's why a lot of people are picking the Islanders uh, to upset the, the, the Canes, which it was a tight mm-hmm. game last night. It was close to be a good series, but I'm sorry. The Kraken are a better team overall than the New York Islanders. And mm-hmm. there's no credit given. I sincerely believe the Kraken can win this series. It is going to be insane, but I do believe that there is going to be an upset here. And oh, by the way, too, um, NHL 23, EA Sports, NHL, they, they did a, um, uh, uh, what do you call that? The, uh, uh, no you, idea. You, Can't you know, bail you out here. I no, what's, what the word? what's the word? For, simulation, a playoff simulation. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I love when they do that. Yeah. They did a playoff simulation and they, and they, they tweeted it, released it yesterday. And they uh-huh. had the Boston Bruins winning the Stanley Cup, which, you know, so over the Seattle Kraken. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Really? That's, that's what the video game said. Hey, you know what? We were the only team to shut them out all season. We did it in their barn on that epic uh, road trip. So I'm yeah. just throwing that out there. We beat mm-hmm. them before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I'm just saying this is like, yes, is it being an extreme homer? Uh, absolutely. But I do believe if the Kraken can make things click and they can figure something out right away, uh, they can do this. So I agree. We'll get to this here in a second. A couple of quick updates is, you know, Joey mentioned our bracket challenge, which is pretty fun. Um, we also have a merch giveaway going on right now on Twitter. Uh, Joey lined up a whole bunch of our cool. We got a, a good vibes only mug, which is fantastic. we got some stickers in there. Um, and Koozies, beer for veneers, beers for veneers, koozies, which is fantastic. Uh, when is that contest done? Let's end it on Friday. So today okay. is Tuesday the 18th. So this Friday the 21st, the giveaway will end. So check us out at Kraken Pod. Um, the you know the instructions, directions, whatever on how to enter are really straightforward. They're right there on the tweet. You'll see it. Just uh, go down and, and enter it, and then uh, yeah, we'll ship some merch, um, some merchandise on us, and then and that's that. And uh, what's awesome about social media, uh, which by awesome, I mean shitty, is that, of course, uh, note to self, anytime from now on we do a contest on Twitter, we're automatically going to have some sort of bot steal our account and um, try to scam people. And that's what happened is some other, you know, another account, I think a bot, a person, somebody basically copied our entire account word for word, created a uh, spam fake account, which thank you to the Kraken pod fam who helped report these guys. I don't know if they yes. exist yet. 
Um, and then what they did is they started following our followers mm-hmm. and DM them saying, hey, you won the contest. Um, click this link. Don't yes. ever click links that are DM'd to you. Right. Yes. And and what sucks is they made it look exactly like us. So I hope nobody did. Um, yeah. But anyway, but uh, we've made it. That means that Jeff, like, we are in a whole new, right? Like, are we, have we like, like ascended to another level now where the podcast is like legitimate? Like we have people faking our shit and not just that, that account was created in 2015. So someone had like a normal Twitter account and then was like, you know what? I'm going to take my normal Twitter and turn it into spam Twitter. And I'm going to go after the Kraken pod and create Kraken pods and start trying to scam these people. And a part of me was like, you know, uh, like imitation is the sincerest form of flattery or, or some bullshit yeah. like that. I saw it on a bumper sticker somewhere, I think. True. And, yeah. And now I'm like, damn, you know what, Jeff? Like we've made it like you and I have impersonators, which means we need to reach out to Elon Musk and be like, we need to get like verified, verified, like a gold check mark because we got we got people coming for Ooh. us. Yeah. Like a cracking red eye check mark yeah. type thing. Yeah. Throwing, maybe a, that. throwing a Tesla while you're at it. Throwing a Tesla. Cool. I'm sure if we DM Elon, he'll see our he'll see he'll see our our message. I'm sure. Yeah, there's no. I'm yeah. He probably doesn't get a lot. He's not that so, busy. You know, no, he's just launching down. rockets and running. Okay. You know, we're a pretty multi billion dollar. Yeah, exactly. Podcast. I know you're a hockey guy from South Africa. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, totally. No. Well, I, I gotta tell you, is uh, there's so much going on. Uh, one thing noted, uh, Allison Lucan, she did report yesterday daniel sprong is considered day-to-day he missed saturday's practice mm-hmm. yesterday they called up uh somebody from the the firebirds um and daniel sprong may not play tonight versus the abs wait are we in crack and reaction did i miss that i'm just calling oh, wait because we're- oh, yeah yeah uh, it's time for your crack and reaction Okay, all, all we have in the Kraken reaction is the Sprong news. So, so Sprong is out, yeah. <laughs> potentially. Yeah, yes. So we'll see, which sucks because that guy is is totally a um, a springboard. That guy is totally a Sprong board. He is a somebody that fires the team up. His speed, you know, he stretches the ice. I mean, he had an amazing season with us. He was just such a great pickup for us, and he's been, you know, a tried and true Kraken. He's found his yeah. home, and that's the kind of shit that we need in the playoffs. So I honestly don't don't like that at all that sucks yeah no it's um you and i have talked about it a lot and um he's one of those guys like he's more than just a glue guy his energy is like on the same level as turbo which i think honestly is like a a dna it's a genetics thing you either have that extra gear or you don't and Spronger adds so much to it um i hope it's just one game I don't really know what's going on. Shout out to Allison Lucan for providing that update. Uh, I, you know, tinfoil hat me is like, maybe he does play game one. And we're just kind of trying to throw Colorado for a little bit of a loop here. I don't think it hurts to, to call up somebody who's produced a lot of goals uh, at the AHL. So I don't know, man. Uh, it's just one of those, it's one of those things where it sucks and I, and I hope he's okay. And I know we talk about this, uh, you know, coming up here soon. Uh, with the interview we did with the Teledavs, it is, guys. But Burakovsky is also officially out for the entire series versus the Avalanche. So, honestly, and I don't know if this is a thing, Jeff. I have to ask you really quick. Do players 
even if they're injured, I mean, obviously it depends on the severity, right? If they had like a, you know, if they fell down and broke their fucking leg and they had surgery, like they're not going to be there. But like Burakovsky on the bench just to provide like some vibes for the guys and to show support and like solidarity. Is that a, is that a thing that we've seen in the, in the NHL before? Like, will we see Burakovsky like with the team being like, boys, you got this, especially with Colorado being his former team. He's not on the, on the bench, but he's there. You know, okay. he'll be at climate pledge. Is he, is he there in Colorado? He could be, he's yeah. in, he's in the suite. He's in the box. You know, he's, he's up there with the management. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, he's definitely going to be there and, and hopefully they show him, um, you know, root sports is going to be covering the playoffs, which is fantastic. Um, yes. so yeah, I mean, yeah, he's gonna be around for sure. Yeah. He's part of the team. I mean, he's, he's a huge part of the team. We talk about it in the, uh, in the deal with the abs guys here coming up in a minute is how, how awesome he and how much he's mentioned the team. And I know that's off the ice too. So yeah, he'll be around for sure. Absolutely. Okay, good. That's the, that's the kind of energy I'm looking for here. And there's one more thing I have to bring up and I'm not trying to um bring the energy or anything like that of the, of the podcast down or anything, but we have to mention this. Um, and it's on a really somber note. Uh, Andy Edie passed away and I'm not sure if you saw that. Um, not, because we're not paying attention, but like, you know, every, you know, we're busy. We have stuff going on. Um, you know, we saw a lot of stuff on socials. We never had a chance to connect with him. Um, but he, he was covering the Kraken since day one. He was a part of the sound of hockey podcast. Uh, you know, he worked for, uh, the, uh, Seattle sports. He was part of NHL.com. Um, he very quickly was such a, a big, big, big staple with the Seattle Kraken organization, with the coverage of the team, we always, you know, saw his stuff, always saw him tweeting, seemed like a really fucking awesome dude. And, uh, you know, it's, it sucks. And, uh, I just, you know, I want to, I had to mention it and I want to say, you know, condolences to his family, his friends and his colleagues, because I know they're really feeling it and it's really hard. And I know, you know, it looks like, from everything that kind of came out that he actually suffered a stroke last month before the game against Edmonton and was hospitalized after that. And he just wasn't able to make it through. And it's just really sad, unfortunate circumstances and, you know, just wishing all of his loved ones, you know, the best as they're kind of going through things. And it's really hard, right? Because we move forward and now the Kraken are playing game one, you know, against Colorado and, you know, his, family and loved ones and, and his, you know, and his colleagues, like they have to keep pushing forward and, you know, living their lives and, and going about their day and covering the Kraken and, and stuff like that. And they're still dealing with a pretty big loss. So I just want to say condolences to them and, and rest in peace. Yeah, absolutely. You know, rip, rip Andy. And yes, uh, I did see that and did send some out some notes uh, from the Kraken pod, the Twitter about that, yeah. um, you know, said something to the sound of hockey guys and um, you know, Number one, I guarantee, well, I don't guarantee, but I'm, I'm, I would be pretty certain that when the first ever playoff game happens at Climate Pledge Arena here in a couple of days on Saturday, yeah. April 22nd, um, I'm sure there's going to be some sort of tribute to Andy in the arena. Um, yes. You know what's awesome about, we're like, as Kraken fans, we're united in the fact that we've got a team, right? But we're also yeah. united in the fact that it's the it's us versus the world. Like nobody gives a shit about the Kraken except for us. And that's sure. like every single podcast, every single fan, every single person across the world that supports the Seattle Kraken. We're all 
really kind of tied into this this family. Like I can't even explain how excited I get when I see and I see more and more. I I saw something the other day, a hat here in New Orleans or a shirt, a Kraken shirt or hat. And it's crazy is that I see that, you know, I'm, I'm aware of any hockey clothing item that I see in New Orleans. I'm seeing more Kraken stuff, which is great. And back to Andy is like, you know, he was part of the crew that that helped to to basically raise the vibes to get a team in Seattle. So he's been around since, you know, before day one yeah. um, and, you know, never met him, never talked to him, saw his work, but it definitely has affected us and absolutely terrible. So yeah. uh, I propose uh, right now uh, that we have a little moment of silence uh, for Andy on the podcast, you know, rest in peace, Andy. The good thing is, is, and I firmly believe, believe in this is that, you know, Andy is, uh, is bringing the playoff vibe, uh, the good vibes to the Seattle Kraken. You know, he's helping to amplify the Seattle Kraken love and the playoff energy. So, um, yeah, definitely sad news, but I think the Kraken can channel that energy and get a win and nothing would be better to honor that dude than to see the Kraken get a win against the avalanche, which I think is going to come sooner than later. Um, and with that, it was pretty cool. We had Griffin and Christian reach out to us. They're from the tell it abs. It is podcast. They cover the uh, Colorado avalanche, um, which for me, as this is a Detroit Red Wings podcast um, and a lifelong Detroit Red Wings fan, tough <laughs> to accept that invitation, but actually, um, you know, they're really cool guys. They, they actually, when they're not rooting for the avalanche, they like the Seattle Kraken and they asked us to come on their show to talk about the Kraken and vice versa. We wanted to get insight into the Colorado Avalanche in this first round matchup. So what we're going to do now is turn it over to our chat with these guys. And we cannot wait to watch that playoff game tonight. But here they are, Christian Griffin from the Tell It Abs It Is uh, podcast with our Seattle Kraken Colorado Avalanche first round preview. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet. As always, coming at you guys again with another preview episode, this time with what I believe is very important in playoff previews is the other perspective. We are joined by Joey Cirillo and Jeff Januzic of the Kraken Pod on the Hockey Podcast Network. Gentlemen, thank you both so very much for joining us today. How are you guys doing? We're feeling good. Are you guys ready to, you know, give up your cup reign to the Seattle Kraken? <laughs> I don't think we give those up quite yet. I think we get to keep those forever. <laughs> That's no, the actually, rule. If, you, if you lose to an expansion team after you win the cup, you actually have to hand over the ring. It's a weird, yeah. weird. kind of hit in the bylaws there. Yeah, that one has been probably buried since this is this, this probably a Could very they, unique situation for couldn't they just copy Berkey's what? and Berkey just give them yeah. the ring and we're good yeah does Berkey have to give his back if that's the case no because he's on the winning team yeah well, exactly. well, he's not going to play in this series unfortunately <laughs> that hurts, is true which hurts for me because as you guys will learn and anyone who listens to this show knows that uh Andre Burakovsky has been my favorite player for years which softens my heart a lot towards the Seattle Kraken, a team that I have a lot of respect for and one that I'm not super thrilled about playing in a playoff series because in the West, probably the only other team that I even like. But 
Here we are, round one of the Stanley Cup playoff, the defending champion Colorado Avalanche going up against the Seattle Kraken in their second year. And if I'm correct, the best improvement an expansion team has seen in their second year, the Kraken reach 100 points and get the top wildcard team. So we can just hop right into this. What, in your opinion, is the most dangerous part of this Kraken team that Avalanche fans should be aware of? Well, uh, Joey, I'll, I'll go first, and I don't want to steal your thunder, but um, I one thing that I've been annoyed about through the whole season is uh, the lack of respect from national media and um, really some other teams uh, in understanding the lack of depth from this team, which is which is great. In year two, to have depth, like that's pretty crazy. So I feel like what's been the story for this team is if the first line's not getting it done, then the fourth line might step up or the third line or the second line. And you, you don't know what attack you're going to get from which players. So to me, it's the depth of this team. And I don't know the official stat, but uh, I, I think like as far as NHL stats go, they have like the most um, spread out scoring in the entire league. You know, it's like we have the most 10 plus goal scores in the entire league. So for me, it's the depth and the fact that I think for some reason we're just under the radar. I mean, being wild card one, I get it uh, being under the radar, but um, I think this is a team that could go far in the playoffs because they're so spread out. Yeah, I think the the number was 12 or 13 10 plus goal scorers on the team compared to I believe Christian was at 7 or so for the Avs by the end of the season this year. Yeah, but you like Lars Eller and Dennis Malgin kind of don't really count because they didn't play the whole year with the Avs. So right. I, I think by technicality it is 7. Right. Yeah, so exactly. That's um for me that's what's pretty neat to watch going from last year to this year and seeing how they just consistently did it. And they had their, they had their ups and downs. I mean, obviously. Right. But the fact that they kept coming back around to the winning ways after going through so much last year, um, a testament to what Ron Francis has done and management's done to kind of build a really good team. And, and they really have set them up for the future. So it's look, we made it to the playoffs year two. We're playing the Stanley cup champs. We literally have, zero expectations and i love being in that spot see that is exactly christian can attest that's exactly what i've been talking about with this potential playoff series for the last several weeks is that the kraken have kind of already won this season having already made the playoffs hitting 100 points still having all of the draft picks to work with with the three second round picks this year already having maddie veneers and shane wright and do you believe that with the Kraken having already made the playoffs, that's going to help them to to play very loose in this series with maybe the lack of expectations. Joey, what do you think? Um, a hundred percent. I um, I always, if I'm on the opposite end of things, the biggest worry I have is going up against a team that has nothing to lose. So before, so before the season started. Jeff and I were crazy people and we did podcast episodes the entire summer leading up into the preseason. And we were predicting the season. Jeff is known as the Ted Lasso of our podcast. We call him Jeff Lasso <laughs> because he's so freaking optimistic about everything that like, 
Like, but, but the crazy part is like, it's worked out in his favor because he was so hard set. He's like the Kraken are making the playoffs, man. And I'm like, you have your fuck. Like, I don't want to curse or. You like, can curse. We're yeah. Oh yeah. I'm like, no. you have your fuck. I'm like, you have your fucking mind. I'm like the, the Kraken are not making the playoffs. I'm like, they were a, a, a horrible team last year. You know, they had a couple of off season moves. I just don't see it. And, and he really stuck to it. And now I'm the one eating crow. I couldn't be happier to be, uh, to be the one that was wrong in this scenario. <laughs> But like he said, them making the playoffs in year in year two, going from what sixty points last year to hundred this season, like this is a win for them. And also, you combine you combine that with the fact that, and we were talking to Piper Shaw last week, who covers the Seattle Kraken, and she point she pointed out to us like how well the Kraken also play for whatever reason in Denver. Like she actually gave a ton of credit. She was like that. Uh, that barn is the loudest outside of Comet Pledge Arena that she has attended throughout the entire season. But for whatever reason, like whether it's strategy or just feeding off the energy, like the Kraken do really well in that barn. This year we played we played y'all three times. We won two out of three. The one loss was in a shootout. So it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think the team is afraid. They already feel good. Like, hey, dude, we made the playoffs in year two. I think they're going to go out there and be pretty loose. And today I saw that they were, uh, they had morning skate and it's like the first time I think ha- like Dave Haxtell, the head coach was joking around like since preseason, that they've had two back-to-back morning skates, like all season, like the boys are feeling good. Yeah. We have a couple of injuries. So do the abs. And I'm really liking where things are like how things are starting to be set up for the Kraken in that regard. I, I completely agree in the fact that the Kraken have nothing to play for. But I, I wanted to kind of, or nothing to lose. They have everything to play for. Wow, that was almost really bad. Um, <laughs> it's, but, uh, it's only the playoffs, Chris. I was like, Jesus, Jesus, I know. Yeah. Twist Jeez, the knife. I almost let that go. <laughs> but I guess my question for you guys is where are you feeling or how confident are you feeling in the goaltending, whether it is Grubauer or Jones? Do we have uh, to talk about Where that? is your confidence level? No comment. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> No, you're exactly right. And, and as you all know, is you, it's, you know, you've got to have, you know, players, you got to have depth in the playoffs. You got to have, you know, people rise up to help each other out, but you've got to have good goaltending. You've got to get in a hot streak. And that is absolutely one area where the Kraken have not really figured it out yet. Although what is crazy is, as you know, you know, grew, uh, Philip grew our, um, you know, we're glad to have him and, um, you know, I don't know what you guys thought about, you know, him playing with y'all, but I will say this is that man has gotten like zero respect, um, because he went through it all being the starter for, you know, pretty much all of last year and enduring that. And then starting off this year too, and, uh, having his struggles and Martin Jones took over, but he's quietly in the last month been phenomenal. So I really feel like and this feels weird to say, but I feel like I'm strangely confident. Again, like Joey said, I'm a little bit of a, a optimistic Lasso, person. Baby. <laughs> I think. I think this. Here's another thing, and I, I have questions for you guys too. This is, shouldn't just be all yeah. cracking stuff here, but yeah, um, please. <laughs> I think the storyline of Gru going up against his old team in the playoffs. I just think there's some fire there and I think he could come in and really make a name for himself. And, and I honestly think there's a lot of Seattle, Seattle Kraken fans that don't have a lot of faith in him. And I think he's going to show up and he's going to make that faith way stronger in this series. 
So I feel yeah, good. We with Grubauer. Grubauer, we we loved Grubauer. I still have his uh I have like a plaque for him. Uh he was great for the abs when he was here. And it was just unfortunate in the bubble he got hurt. I think the team could have won the, the won the cup that year if he stayed healthy. And then in the COVID shortened season, he played like what 85 percent of the games griffin yeah, we, <laughs> we ran him pretty much into the ground at that point the only break he got was when he got covid towards the end of the season and still managed to get nominated for the vesna that year came into the playoffs really strong against st louis really strong the first two games against vegas but i think unfortunately with grubauer the the lasting memory of him was struggling in the later part of that series against the golden knights and Whenever we do talk about Philip Grubauer, as much as I don't want to picture it, that first goal that the Golden Knights scored in Game 6 still, to me, holds up as one of the worst goals I've seen a goalie give up in an important game. And it's interesting that you guys do bring up uh, Grubauer's recent stretch over the last little while. In April, I believe he was a 941, won three games out of the four that he started and the five that he played overall. And against Colorado this season, he started all three. I believe, and he finished all three of those games with a 928 save percentage, a 1.7 goals against average, only giving up five goals. And the Kraken have been a tough matchup for the Avs this year. They played Pavel Francouz in October and caught him, I believe, on a pretty bad night. Played pretty much to a stalemate in their second meeting that the Avs edged out in a shootout. And the Avalanche were up remembering these off the top of my head as best as I can up in the third period before McKinnon had that horrible turnover that led to Tanev tying the game and Yanni Gord eventually winning it in OT. So I think, I think the, the key, the thing that I'm most worried about is probably we're, we're deep, right. But our toughness and you know, you all won the cup, you know, the grind, you guys know how to be tough. I think that the Kraken thrive off of a intense forecheck and their speed. But whenever they run into a team that can push them around and be physical, I feel like they, they struggle there. So I'm not super worried about uh, goaltending, which obviously that is a crapshoot. Um, definitely not worried about offense. But on defense, we do lack some toughness. So on your end, you know, I, I know what you guys have kind of dealt with all year long. You know, Kale McCarr is not Kale McCarr. Um, but you've got also, too, like, you know, a lot of other things going on. Where do you guys think you are in terms of toughness? Um, and also, too, like, have you felt like there's been a Stanley Cup hangover? I mean, they've played the most hockey, you know, out of, you know, pretty much all the NHL teams. So toughness, do they have it? Do you agree with that? And how are you guys feeling right now with where the team is going into the playoffs? Which, I mean, they've been pretty phenomenal too. Yeah, going into the playoffs, they're going to be losing probably their their toughest aspect in Gabe Landeskog and not being able to get him back for the playoffs. But on the opposite side, probably adding their most difficult to play against player in Josh Manson back to the lineup who adds a lot of physicality to the back end. The Avs aren't, I wouldn't say the the toughest team on planet Earth, but they're very mentally tough, maybe more than than physically tough coming into this series. And defensively, we're both of the opinion that the Avs have the best defense in the NHL. They're going to be getting Kale McCarr back, 
hopefully healthy in this series. We don't really entirely know his status, but we know that he will play in this series. And like I said, getting Josh Manson back. And one guy that Kraken fans might not like by the end of the series is Bo Byram, <laughs> who is underratedly a pest and maybe not always for his his own benefit as he's dealt with concussion issues in the past, but he's a guy that other teams really do not like that much. But one of the things I wanted to ask you guys about the Kraken, one of the big discrepancies in this series is the Avalanche have Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, and Kale McCarr, and all of that star power at the very top. And we've established that the Kraken are a very deep team, but what do you feel the Kraken are going to plan to do with McKinnon and Ranton and McCarr and try to neutralize some of that star power? That's a great question. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> so look, they've, they've played, there's plenty of stars that they've, they've gone up against. Um, I think one thing that I hang my hat on was we shut out the Bruins. Um, that was sweet. That was awesome. I made a lot of money on that game <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> hey thank you no like we can agree that like first of all can we agree on this is like i'm so i can't wait for the bruins to lose because they're going to lose they're not going to win the stanley cup uh i've been there uh, we talked a little bit before we started recording about my history yep. being a detroit Red Wings fan i've seen epic teams um fail right president's cup sorry not That's sorry that's a curse. Yeah. No, I, look, it's good. I actually, you know, on the Detroit Red Wings thing is like for the longest time, I could not stand an Avalanche jersey, but I re- I really respect this team. Um, through all the hatred of the, you know, I grew up in Detroit, so I'm born and raised a Detroit Red Wings fan. Joey brought me into the Kraken family, and now I'm obsessed with the Kraken. Um, but I'll say this is Joe Sackick, for all of my hatred of the Avalanche and Claude Lemieux, and yes, it's I know it's very um, cliche, but, you know, it's there. Um Joe Sackick to me is just one of the best, you know, and um, I put him right up there with Steve Eiserman. And so that like, he always had that class. So I loved it. So long story short is, um, you know, going back to uh, talking about the Kraken. I I think that relentless forecheck is again, the key to so many different things. You know, we do have some talented guys who can keep up with them. I don't, maybe death by a thousand cuts. I mean, I don't have a specific answer. Like we're going to put some shutdown forward on you, like some defensive specialists. Now, Yanni Gord, Yanni Gord is fantastic. You mentioned Yanni Gord. He, he could be somebody who could, um, you know, Brandon Tanev turbo super fast. He could definitely keep up and he's a grinder who can uh, kind of maybe neutralize some of those, those, those top talents. But at the same time is like, I don't know if Nathan McKinnon starts to understand a player he he's going to take advantage of them. I mean, he's one of the best in the world. So the only way that I feel that we can stop the superstars that y'all have is with a, a really good game plan from Dave Haxtell, the head coach in guys, no matter who is pairing up against uh, Nate McKinnon, um, you know, or whoever we need to make sure we're doing this ABC, ABC. And what's great is we have enough talent you know, we don't have any superstars, but we have enough talent to kind of do that. So long story short is I don't have a great answer for that, but I do feel like speed, forecheck, trying to be as physical as possible. Um, that's the only way we can kind of keep that up. I well, so I can tell you. Oh, oh sorry. Go, yeah, ahead. go for it. Go for it. No, no, go for it. I was just going to say that um, I, it's interesting that Jeff mentioned speed. The speed of McKinnon, um, I, I just don't. 
I don't believe Seattle can keep can keep up. Period. Like if I'm being completely honest with our team, I just don't think we can skate with them. Uh, same with McCarr. But it's one of those things, and it goes back to depth. I think you know, without beating a, a freaking dead horse here, I do think it's the depth of the Seattle Kraken, and we're going to need our young defensemen, especially, to step up. Again, this is just my opinion. Um, we have seen the emergence of Vince Dunn uh, this year for the Kraken. The dude has been a fucking animal. We call him the Dundertaker. He actually knows about that nickname, which is awesome. <laughs> so we're like really trying to That's adopt awesome. it. But Vince Dunn has been incredible. And also like Will Borgen, like if we can get Borgie to step up in this series, I think it's going to create some problems. So there are a couple of guys that I just don't think, you know, Seattle speed wise can keep, can keep up with. But if we have the depth and we keep throwing guys at you and every line is relentless and those guys step up, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a problem than like then anticipated. At least we can start getting, yeah, I, you know, start frustrating your guys. And by the way, speaking of like, you know, pesky players who you love, but not when you play them, we raise you a Yanni Gord because Yanni Gord, if I had to play against that guy in the playoffs, I would want to fucking strangle him. He's so annoying because that's all he does. Like he gets under people's skin. He's like the smallest guy on the ice, but he's not afraid of anybody. You know, he's won championships with Tampa Bay, but he knows exactly what to do, um, to, you know, to get under player skins and to, and to really get in their head. And that's going to be um, a big part of like the mental warfare in this series. Yeah. There's going to be what I think is going to be the most important part of the series is the Kraken's four check and how the abs respond to it. Because if the abs have a weakness, we cannot clear our own damn zone. Like it is one of the most frustrating things to watch is trying to clear our own damn zone. And I think the Kraken can take advantage of that. I really do. But what concerns me more about the Kraken is I think Tanif is going to end up being that guy near the end of the series. I'm just going to be like, I fucking hate this guy. I really <laughs> think that's where I'm going to be with him because that dude just has a face where I think I'm just going to be at the end of the series. Like this dude fucking sucks. Um, I hate his guts, but I do. Uh, I, Jeff mentioned earlier, do you think the abs have a Stanley cup hangover? They definitely had a Stanley cup hangover in the first three months of the season where they were 500 and in sixth place in the central division. But ever since really, the all-star break this team is playing i wouldn't say it's best hockey but it's playing some damn good hockey and the exciting part but also terrifying part about the abs going into the playoffs is i still don't think they've played their best version of themselves this year and can they do that because there's been points in the season where they've had like a good two three game stretch but they haven't been able to consistently dominate teams right uh, which is what you'd expect when you're playing this good of hockey and i think the kraken are going to offer a ton of different line combinations and they're just going to forecheck the living hell out of the abs and it's going to drive me as a fan insane as i'm sitting in the 300 section telling them to clear the puck because as a fan <laughs> I, I can very clearly see you need to clear the puck but that's what scares me more about the Kraken. And we've seen it in these three games is their forecheck is relentless and it's caused a ton of turnovers in the, the abs own zone. And that is terrifying going into this series. Yeah. And I, one, of, one think, of the things as well is that the avalanche, a lot of their inconsistencies can be attributed to injuries as well. And the incredibly in injury riddled season that's, they have had and dealt with this season. I'd almost attribute their, their Stanley cup hangover to being like literally physically, this team has not been the same because they've been missing so many guys. 
I mean, we've mentioned it at nauseum on here, but there was a time in December where Miko Rantanen was the only top six guy on this team left, and he was playing on a line with Alex Newhook and Charles Houdon on the top line going up against the Boston Bruins and the New York Rangers. And this series against the Kraken is the healthiest or allegedly the healthiest because everyone just plays in the playoffs. This is going to be the healthiest lineup that this team has been dealing with for this season, pretty much since October at the very least, where they have not had Kale McCarr and Bo Byram and Josh Manson and Devon Tays all playing on the ice at the same time. Christian, correct me if I'm wrong, but October was the last time they were able to do that? Late October, maybe early November. Right. as bits, A lot of that can be attributed to injury in this series, and the Avs, for the first time, I feel like can, like Christian was saying, maybe start playing their best hockey, where Nathan McKinnon thrives, is especially the first round of the playoffs as well. See, you guys, you guys mentioned the hangover, and I'm not buying it. I'm just not. And if I'm Dave Haxtell, I'm telling the Kraken the same thing. I'm like, they're liars. Don't listen to them. Like, there is no hangover. They're coming to play. And your last 19 games, you're fucking 16, 2, and 1. Like, that is something that I am telling my team. You guys are getting hot at the right time. Um, and, and the team is very scary. And I like what you said about. Um, you know, you really haven't seen the best version of the avalanche and I'll, you know, I can't speak for Jeff here. I'm sure he has input on this as well. I have seen the best version of the Kraken. And do I think that we will get that version during the series? No, because Burakovsky is out and he's such a huge part, um, you know, of this team, but y'all are also missing Landeskog for the playoffs. So it is what it is tit for tat. But when I do see the Kraken play at their best, which is every line is contributing, the four check is there. The defense is sound, and as a result, the goaltending increases. Um, you know, you have the the Kraken setting an NHL record for eight road games, eight road game wins in a row, including shutting out Boston in their home barn. Like that is the team that can beat anybody. But I've also seen the Kraken at their worst, like going to you know Anaheim and getting shut out. You're like, what oh. the fuck are you doing? Like in the middle, in the middle of you know the playoff chase, and they and they drop an egg. So it's one of those things where it's like. We've seen both versions of this team. The best version of this team really can upset anybody. Who are we going to get? And that's that's kind of where my head's at with that. You know, the the other thing that I'm thinking about here too is that as we're talking this out with y'all, is honestly, I don't think the Avalanche have anything to lose either. Because, you know, you've got okay, so you have battled through all of these injuries. You've battled through, you know, the Stanley Cup hangover. It was rough. You're coming together at the right time. I guarantee you is, boys, let's just get in the playoffs and we're good. We know how to win. Let's just get get in, get healthy. I'm sure guys were rested knowing that they would get in the playoffs, knowing what they had. So, you know, really what we said was we have nothing to lose. We made it in playoff, you know, in year number two. But at the same time, if the Avalanche, if you all lose, right, if you all lose uh, even to the Kraken, right, or if you lose in the second or third round, um, oh man, well, you won the cup last year. Bravo. Cheers. Y'all you get the standing ovation. There you go. Now next year, different story. You guys got to get it back together, but really you guys have nothing to lose either. What do you guys think about that? I Griffin, when, take you it. Ha- when you have a Stanley cup and you've tasted that and you still have Nathan McKinnon, 
on the final year of that darling 6.3 contract, not, not (laughs) being able to get the job done, even without Gabe Landeskog will sting, whether that's in the first round of the Stanley cup final. And also if the avalanche do lose to the Kraken, there is the narrative of losing to the expansion team (laughs) as the defending champions, which doesn't taint it, but that always becomes the next conversation after the avalanche won the stanley cup in 2022 the next season they lost to the second year seattle kraken in round one i believe this team is under pressure the same as any other playoff team when you win your division and are one of the best teams in the nhl but when you do win the cup and if you can't get it done the next year it does soften the blow like you're not gonna be beside yourself this team can never get speak for yourself man I am, I, I, I am going to be, I, when, because here's the thing, this is the stupid part about being a fan is 98, 99% of the time your team loses. Like it, it's, it's, a, we put ourselves through misery as sports fans because more than like 98% of the time, it's going to end in you being depressed. And I will tell myself going into this playoffs that I will, I will not be super mad when they lose. I know for a second when that series ends and the season's over, I'm going to have trouble sleeping that night just because I'm a lunatic that way. And I will, I will be like that meme where it's like the, the smiling face covering the crying face. I will have that (laughs) meme as my face because it's going to be, it's going to be miserable. Even though I think about like, I don't want to think about them losing, but the all likelihood they are going to lose eventually because that's just how sports are. Well, I know exactly the experience of losing as a defending Stanley Cup champion. I'm also a Washington Capitals fan, as people who listen to the show know. I also live in Maryland as I've been through heartbreaking losses against the Penguins and in years past. Then they finally won. There was that elation. And then they lost to the Hurricanes in round one. And I was devastated. Like I was genuinely still heartbroken. It still hurt a lot because to this day, I believe that was the last realistic chance that team had. And I still believe that this team can do it. It's not as much of like a certainty as it was last year, as we talked about on the entirety of last year's shows where it's like, if this team doesn't get it done this year, I'm, I don't understand hockey and it's going to break my, my faith in it. As a whole. So, yeah, if this team can't get it done, it is going to hurt, but you always have that championship to fall back on that at least cushions the blow, even if there's still some knives sticking through. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough no matter what. Um, this is going to be a tough series. You brought up, you know, Nate McKinnon's last year of his contract and with the Kraken, you know, we're all in, we're watching this team. They've got just so many draft picks stacked up. They've just got they've got Shane Wright waiting in the wings. Um, he's he's basically you know learning the ropes, um, and he'll be a force next year. Our future looks really bright. What does the future of the Colorado Avalanche like? Let's say for example, you know, don't want to you know be negative towards y'all, but let's you guys lose. What does the next few years for this for the Stanley Cup champs look like? What what's the future look like for the Colorado Avalanche right now? How are you guys feeling? I'm I'm feeling good about it. There's definitely some concern with Landeskog. Um he had a press conference a couple days ago before the Winnipeg Jets game, and it was one of the saddest press conferences I've ever watched because it was basically like, Yeah, I've had 
three knee surgeries in the past two years and nothing's fixed it. Like oh. I still cannot skate. Uh, and he is a massive part of this team. Uh, he, he was a point per game player last year, scored 30 goals and was huge in the playoffs for us. I still think the future is very bright for the abs. You still have Kale McCarr. You still have Mika Rantanen, still have Nathan McKinnon. Uh, hopefully Gabe Landeskog back. Bo Byram's going to need a contract this off season. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what the abs do with the roster construction because McKinnon's contract doubles next year. Uh, it goes, he goes from making 6 million to 12, which yeah. is going to be really tight in the salary cap era. And we've seen some franchises handle that salary cap. Well, uh, you look at Chicago, you can say what you want about them as an organization, but they did a pretty good job in that six year span of basically reconstructing the team every two years. Uh, Pittsburgh, they had they they won their cup and then they went a little dormant for a while. So hopefully that's not what the abs are going to be. But it's gonna have to take some you're gonna have to take some risk on some guys at some vet minimums. Uh, like we look at Jack Johnson for the abs. He's he signed last year as a PTO and was uh a sixth defenseman for us winning the cup, which is hilarious. And then this year he's come back, he's right back in that seventh defenseman role. But if an injury happens, I feel good going back to him. And you're going to have to take those chances on those older guys on some prove it deals like we kind of did with Evan Rodriguez this year. Uh, you, The abs are going to need to continue to do that to maintain success. Because the thing is, we've seen the gap this year. In the Western Conference, the abs last year were far and away the best team in the West. It wasn't even close. But this year, that gap got closed a little bit. The teams below us got better. And I think a team like the Kraken are going to be scary in a couple of years. I've always had an affinity for the Arizona Coyotes. I think they're going to be better in a couple of years. So I'd still say the Avs have probably like, what would you say, Griffin, like five to six years of really good cup contention, and they need to win a couple more in those five to six years to really cement this run. See, championship windows are a tricky thing because I fully believe in the the 10 to 15 year success of this team. As long as you have Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Kale McCarr, and hopefully Bo Byram for a long time, all of those, all of those pieces can really come and go as you please. And we've even seen this season without Gabe Landeskog yet. They struggled for a while, but they ended the season with 109 points and you look at a lot of the upcoming contracts for this team. You have Nathan McKinnon kicking in at 12.6, becoming the highest paid player in the NHL next season. Miko Rantanen has two years after this at 9.25. You have Kale McCarr locked in until 2027, but Bo Byram's going to be an RFA and probably going to sign a bridge deal. And as long as you have those guys, you can succeed and you're always going to be a championship contender but it also helps that you have Chris McFarlane and Joe Sackick at the helm, who've proven to be very capable at building a team. And so while maybe in three or four years or so, the salary cap's going to get strained and maybe this team's not going to be the absolute juggernaut that it's been the last two years and might be a little weaker on its in its depth and everything and may, might not have the incredible defense that it has now. But in terms of the 10 to 15 year stability of this team, I believe we are only in the beginning of a golden age for the avalanche. As long as you have those guys who are still pretty young. I mean, McKinnon's only 27, Rantanen's 26, Kale McCarr's 24. 
And I believe we're only scratching the surface on 21-year-old Bo Byram. Um, in case you guys are picking up a pattern, I love Bo Byram. I'm wearing my Byram shirt right now. I talk about it. <laughs> I mean, and Bo Byram's younger than me. I'm only 22. Byram's 21. I fully believe in the long-term stability of this team, even as guys come and go over the years. But that's how the salary cap works. Guys, Liz, Jesus. really quick. If, 22 if years old. Yes. Holy smokes. <laughs> If you need any uh, salary cap um, assistance, though, Jeff and I will happily introduce you to a friend of ours. His name is uh, Ron Francis, a.k.a. the Ron Father. And he loves coming in to uh, NHL teams when they're struggling a little bit, uh, a la Columbus, um, when he, you know, just happened to take Oliver Bjorkstrand off of their hands. So, you know, in the future, if y'all want to make a phone call, we do WWRD. What would Ronnie do? So we trust him in our front office and what they're uh, doing. See, no, but, but that's all, what the all seriousness did. though. Yeah, no, but in all seriousness yeah, though, right. I think, I think you're, I think you're spot on, man. Your, your core is, your core is pretty solid. So I'm, I'm very excited to see how the series goes. Yeah. You, you bring up Oliver Bjorkstrand as well. I was so jealous when you guys made that trade because I love Oliver Bjorkstrand. I thought he would have been an incredible avalanche player and I'm disappointed you guys have him until 2026 because i love that guy <laughs> and, prob and probably gonna be a pretty important part of this series as well because i believe his, his goal totals in the first half of the season coming in the all-star break weren't that impressive but he ended up finishing the season with 20 goals and i can't believe we've gone this far and only barely talked about ellie tolvanen and we brought up Yanni Gord as well but ryan donato and daniel sprong another guy that i really like and jared mccann hitting 40 goals for this team as well. So the conversation around this series is always going to to shift to the Avalanche's star power versus the Kraken's depth. But I also do believe that the Avalanche have depth of their own that's going to be able to mitigate a lot of the the depth that the Kraken have. While maybe it is a lot more dangerous for scoring, that the Avalanche's star power along with decent depth can make up for a lot of that difference. What do you guys think about that? I, I agree. And I think the key here is this is as if I'm coaching the avalanche, which I was very close to doing that um, <laughs> recently um, are until recently, our special teams have been terrible. So like w we are going to forecheck the hell out of any team. We're going to skate our asses off. We're going to work really hard. But when it comes to like the, uh, the finer points of the game, face-offs, the penalty kill, the power play, which has been pretty good. It's, it's definitely improved in the last quarter of the season, right? But K is one of the best in the in the NHL now. It's it, but at the beginning of the season it was not. If I'm the Avalanche, I'm coming in and finding a way to get the Kraken to make some stupid mistakes, some rookie mistakes, and capitalizing on that. And I think that's going to be the biggest factor: is can we get the Kraken to? Uh, take dumb penalties, get on the power play and, and force them to have to outwork us on those special teams, which, you know, the avalanche, they know what they're doing in that, that regard. Yeah. I I'm, I'm interested to see what your guys' response is going to be to this because you guys have so many good players, but who is the Kraken's best player? I've heard it's Maddie Beniers, but then you look at Jared McCann, he has 40 goals you look at Oliver Bjorkstrand, you look at Jordan Eberle, who we haven't mentioned yet either. Who Who is the best player on the Kraken? Who you got, Joey? 
I'm actually I'm legitimately at a loss right now because there's been multiple points throughout the season where I looked at a player and was like, this is the best player on the team. When Burakovsky was there and healthy, I thought it was him for a period of time. I love that answer. Love <laughs> he, it. He yeah. really, he, I mean, he, it's just the truth. It wasn't just was. the goal scoring. It wasn't just the goal scoring. It was just his all-around play is insane. And, you know, we watch and we will live tweet every single game which also makes us crazy people. I'm sure y'all do the same, but. Oh yeah, we do. The, watching don't worry, it, you're, you're in a safe space. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. So <laughs> it's a circle of trust. So it was just one of those things where it's like, even when he's not scoring goals, just watching um, like his hockey IQ is so next level. I think it's drastically underrated. He was always, always putting himself in a position to either like high danger chance, putting puck on net or feeding a guy or setting up a play we're getting it on a four check. And I'm like, man, I fucking love this guy. Um, right now, if I had to pick a, I'm like, like pick it, pick the best player on the Seattle Kraken right now. I'm actually going to go Jordan Eberly. that guy. And Jeff and I call it dad energy. Um, because I think he just had another <laughs> kid recently, but we believe in dad energy. That shit is real. Um, he's really, really stepped it up. He's been super hot lately. And he is one of those, glue guys on the team that again not to reference our own stuff too much but we were talking to piper shaw last week who covers the team and she was telling us we're like you know give us an underrated player for the seattle kraken without hesitation jordan eberly he's there before everybody in fact he gets to the ice so early during home games that she literally spends like a 16 hour day at climate pledge arena because she has to be there before the players are. So she can meet with everybody. And Eberly's there at like three o'clock for like a seven 30, you know, puck drop. And it's just one of those things. Like <laughs> he controls, he controls the music in the locker room. He's always out working people. Like he's one of the last to leave. He's super nice, but the guy works his ass off. And on top of that, he has a chip on his shoulder because he's been vocally telling his teammates. I have not won a cup. This is the thing that I want to do. This is where I am at in my career. And I need you guys to rally around me and do this. And like the team is rallying around him. So if I have to pick a guy right now, it's him, but that's really hard. Like I love the all around game for Maddie Beneers. He is insane. Like his level of talent and also hockey IQ for being that young is crazy. I think Jeff, you predicted within two to three years, he's one of the mega stars um, in the NHL. We have a bet on him to win the Calder. I'm just waiting to cash that out. That was the easiest money of all time. And it's one of the, like, Jared McCann, 40 goals, he gets hot. But I don't know, like, there's periods of, you know, throughout the season where um, I've I've had different players be be the best right now. But I would I would actually pivot and go Jordan Eberly. Jeff, who, who would you say is the best player right now? I'm actually curious. We haven't talked about this. Well, I do want to say, again, and not just to kind of, like, blow smoke uh, on a – you know, Avs podcast, but Joey nailed it. Great call. Uh, Andre Burkowski, he, if you notice, when he went down, the Kraken, <sighs> the Kraken had to, had like 10, 15 games of like, what, 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 what the hell do we do? He Identity just, gone. He did everything on the ice that helped to open up the ice for everybody else. Like the Kraken needed 10, 15 games to figure out how the fuck to like, to 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 score to have an offense without him around so i sincerely agree with joey and i sincerely tell you that i think he is the best seattle kraken player because of what he brings to the team as a whole and all the things that he he does so um you know thank you guys so for that, that, that gem of a hockey <laughs> you're player. welcome. That, that one, that one hurt. Uh, Gr- Griffin, 
can tell more about it. But uh, that one, I I actually when I saw he officially signed somewhere else, that 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 hurt me a little bit because he is such a likable guy, and he went through so much shit here in that cup run where he was getting scratched in the second round, and then he finally gets it going and he fucking breaks his thumb. That that's just oh, that's God. just the story of Berkey's career in Colorado. And Griffin, I'll let Griffin go on his Berkey triad. But oh my God, the, the for the sake of keeping this podcast under three hours long, I can condense it as much <laughs> as I can. But Berkey's been my guy since I was fourteen. Ever since his first game against the Canadians with the Capitals all those years ago, I just I randomly committed to it. I was like, this is my guy, and it's going to be my guy forever. And with Berkey in Colorado, the story of his career has been not getting enough opportunity in Washington under Barry Trotz. He definitely did not get a ton of opportunity. And a lot of that was because of inconsistency. You have to be real about that. Some Berkey is a very streaky player. That's what he's been. And it's probably what he's going to be for his entire career. But there were times in Washington where he's buried underneath the Alex Ovechkins and the TJ Oshies and Evgeny Kuznetsov's of the world. And eventually even Jacob Vrana as well, once he started to break into the league. And once that trade to the avalanche happened, the difference was immediate. Once his spot was secured in the lineup and one bad night, wasn't going to have him sent back up to the press box and having him in the top six streaky as he was, added such a layer to this team's depth, especially with Nazem Kadri as his center over and over again, that he became kind of a player that people would forget about when they would play the abs. And there would be games where he's just the kind of player that has so much talent that he can break a game open. And as for his, the end, the end of his tenure in Colorado, it is really hard for me to be, super upset about it because of how it ended with him scoring the overtime winner in <laughs> game one, which is probably going to go down as one of the just pure elation moments of my entire life and ending it with hoisting the Stanley cup for the second time, even if he did break his hand, which is very in character for him. And he goes to a team in Seattle that I really like. I'm really glad he didn't go honestly anywhere else because he's now kind of made a tour of all of the teams that I really enjoy. So, I mean, I've, I love Berkey and hearing you guys talk him up. And honestly, I don't even know if I recognize the guy that you're talking about with this incredibly high (laughs) IQ opening up space for everybody else. He's always shown flashes of that, but now that he's having that opportunity in Seattle and he's locked in for a while with that team at a decent contract, if he can, it's if the Kraken do make a deep run, the playoffs I've heard the timeline is third round ish, if they can make it that far, but for next season as well, I really hope that we can see the emergence of Burakovsky as a true top line player on a contending team. I think he, I think it's, he, he's the guy, you know, he's got that, that opportunity. Like there's so many guys that are reborn in Seattle, Everly, you know, I think Burkowski can be that dude. Um, I think that, and just so glad to have him. Um, I, I kind of hope that they just kind of keep him again. Like, look, I, I really do believe the Kraken could, could win this series, but um, I really want Berkey just to sit. I want him to sit, rest up and be ready for next season because next season I think is going to be, Okay, cool. We we're we're on the radar of uh, the NHL, but somehow we're still like, like people are more amped about the Islanders 
than the Seattle Kraken, which just <laughs> dumb. And I grew up kind of a uh, quasi Islanders fan. I, I actually I always kind of love the Islanders, but it's like, they're going to do the same shit guys. They're going to do the same exact shit. There's nothing exciting about that goddamn team. They made it in <laughs> great. Everybody's so high on like, you know, all these great teams in the Eastern conference. Meanwhile, nobody's talking about how the, the bottom of the Eastern conference absolutely sucks. But anyway, long story short is, I want to get back to uh, the guy that I'm going to give credit to right now because he worked so hard in the off season. Um, and you've been seeing guys talk about this, how he's committed to being great um, is Vince Dunn. Vince Dunn committed in the off season. He, you know, went through what everybody went through in Seattle last year, which was like, what the hell are we doing? He came in committed to training hardcore in the off season and it's paid dividends and he has learned how to be one of the best defensemen um, in the NHL. I think, you know, obviously offensively, um, he's still got some things to learn. Um, we've seen him have epic breakdowns defensively, but he has figured something out. He's, fig- he's found that next gear. And I feel like a playoff run, um, a shocking playoff run uh, led by Vince Dunn could really pay dividends for him who's in a contract year. He's looking to get that, that, uh, that big deal here in the off season, um, which I, I wish they would just lock him up now and give him the cash that he wants. But anyway, my guy, my guy right now is I've always said, this is from the very beginning uh, of, of the first season. I said, Vince Dunn's my favorite player. He's my favorite Kraken player. And like I said about the, the making playoffs is I'm, I'm looking pretty good saying he's, he's, he's my favorite player. I think Vince Dunn is. The I still team. love, the That's Dundonator, that is one of the coolest nicknames, I think. Or, or the, the Dundertaker. Dundertaker. Yeah. Dundertaker. Yeah. Thank you. Thank that you. is, that is, that, you guys need to make a shirt about that because that's fucking hilarious. Or, um, we're, we're, yeah, we're workshopping that. Yep. <laughs> okay, good. Good. I, I love that. Yeah. Um, so I, so, I, I guess go for it. So I was, what were you going to say? My question was to be, and, and, and go with that thought, but my question would be like, all right, so we know. First of all, Miko Rantanen is like one of the, the past couple of seasons. He's just so underrated, so underrated, so good. But you know, Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, fans. Yeah. right, right. <laughs> who who is your who is your like key or unsung hero for the Avs that you think is? We know Bo Byram. Don't have to talk about him again. Would, <laughs> yeah, Griffin, don't been, say that. Wouldn't have been my answer, but yes, stud. <laughs> So, you know, for both of you guys to answer, like, who are we going to, as somebody who doesn't know the Avalanche team as well as you guys do, like, we're going to come away from the series going like, who the hell is that guy? Like you said, Turbo. So who's that guy on the Avalanche for you guys? There's yeah. actually a lot of answers to that question. So Christian, you can take one and I'll take another one. Yeah. I mean, if you're asking me, I think the player that's, if the Avs are going to have a deep playoff run, this guy needs to be great. And that's JT Comfer. Uh, he's, he's our second line center as of right now. And he will be if he can produce even close to what he did in the regular season in the postseason. That is our most important player. Obviously, we know McKinnon and Ranton and McCarr are going to have their usual point production, but you need that depth scoring with JT Comfer. He's going to have the opportunity with the players he's playing with, and he has been great in the faceoff circle. He's been great on the PK, and he's been featured on the power play. That is the name that I think by the end of this series, you're going to be like, 
who is that redheaded fuck who is just <laughs> always in the middle of these scrums and always seems to be getting his face washed or he's face washing someone, but he's had a career year. He's in a contract year as well. He needs to produce for the abs to be successful. Yeah. And Comfort's a great answer as well. But for me, there's a, a big three of players that that get buried under the stars in Colorado. The obvious one is Devontae's. I don't need to go too deep on that. One of the best defensive defensemen in the NHL that's going to do a great job at locking guys down. Yep. Two guys that are going to drive the Kraken up the wall in this series is Val Nichushkin and Arturi Lekkinen, who I think everyone knows are good players and are, I think, very fairly rated. But I think people have forgotten just how good Val was in the playoffs last year. That man had teams in hell every single game with the way he forechecked. And when he broke his foot in game five against the Lightning, or it was game four or five against the Lightning, we were sweating bullets because if Val wasn't playing, we were like, I genuinely don't know if we have a chance to to win these games. And Arturi Lekkinen is such a clutch performer that even if he's not the biggest guy at, at six feet tall, plays like he is six eight and is so good at using his body on the four check and getting a lot of clutch goals, as we saw in the playoffs last year, sending them to the Stanley Cup final and scoring the Stanley Cup winning goal. Those two, if they end up on the same line together, potentially with JT Kompfer, those two are going to drive you crazy. Those two are going to make life for the Kraken hell. Val Nachushkin and Lekkinen are the four checking animals on this team. And I mentioned Devontae's already, but I feel like he kind of at this point needs no introduction. Everyone knows he's underrated and everyone understands that him alongside Kel McCarr is the top defensive pair in the NHL. And people know that Lekkinen and Nachushkin are good, but I think they're forgetting how good those guys are and how good they were in the playoffs last year. And we're going to get another reminder from those two. That's awesome insight. Um, you know, because it's just, you know, those, those role players, you guys got to watch them roll to the Stanley cup last year. That's, that's awesome to see. So, I mean, like, what are you guys thinking about this sincerely? And, and we will not be offended, you know, with this series. Um, the only other thing I'm thinking of right now is like Joey mentioned is we just, we've been so good on the road. So like being on the road, you know, being the, uh, um, you know, I guess the under, big time underdog in the series, but also too, like, you know, you being in Colorado more than Seattle, that feels good too. But like, what do you guys think? Like, what do you, what do you think this series is going to be? Um, you know, what are you guys predicting? It's, it's funny you mentioned the road stuff because the Avalanche have been better on the road as well so far this season. So this might end up being a series where we see a lot of road wins. And as for how I see the series going, uh, we had an episode yesterday with our guy Raj where we all predicted the abs in five. And as we've talked, I've been like, uh, maybe I should start leaning abs in six again because, again, I really do respect this Kraken team immensely and the work they've done this season. I have a lot of respect for teams that just have the vibes going into the playoffs, as we've seen in years past. Those teams can do some damage, and even if they can't beat you, they can take a part of you with them as you march on into the playoffs. I think I'm still leaning abs in five right now just because of Nathan McKinnon and how he's ended the season and how he still is probably going to elevate his game in round one. And a guy we haven't talked about yet, Alex Georgiev, I fully believe that he is the man 
in the playoffs and is going to to answer the bell. It's it's the only question he has left because he's answered everything else and passed every test with flying colors in the regular season. The only question is, can he do it in the playoffs? I fully believe he can. And going up against Philip Grubauer, as well as he's played against the Avs, he's got to do it and be good enough to beat Alex Georgiev head-to-head four times. I think these are going to be very close games. I don't see a Nashville series again, where the Avalanche are just running them out of the building or the Blues series from two years ago where they're just there's times like those games aren't even close. I think these are going to be one to two goal games, a co- probably even a couple of overtimes as well. The Kraken are going to get their licks in, but I do think that the Avalanche, if they can stay healthy through this series, have the ability to to put the Kraken away. Because if they can't put the Kraken away, this is the kind of series where the deeper it gets – the more confident the Kraken are going to get and the more the pressure is going to get turned up on the abs. The Kraken are the kind of team that you have to stomp out early, but I do believe the abs have the ability to do that. That's, that's yeah, a good call. I, 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 I'm going to stick. I, I'm right there with you. Yesterday I was extremely confident in abs and five. And then when I'm listening to you guys talk and I'm like, damn, that's a good point. Damn, that's a good point too. And I, I, <laughs> I, I don't feel as confident in abs and five, because I, I think the Kraken lines one through four, they can kill you with a thousand cuts, like you were saying earlier. Uh, I completely agree with Griffin in the fact I don't think any of these games are going to be a blowout. I think every game is going to be a one to two goal game. And there may be a couple empty netters in a game that make it a three goal game, but it's going to be a tight series. And for me, the specialty teams is going to be the biggest factor. The Avs power play, it finished fourth or fifth in the league this year. But they're coming in a little bit cold. Obviously, Kill McCarr coming back in is going to be a huge addition. The penalty kill has gotten better. It was historically bad at the beginning of the season. I don't know if you guys paid attention to the Avs at the beginning of the season. Their penalty kill percentage for like the first month, Griffin, was what, 52%? Like it was that might be so bad. <laughs> Jesus. It was so bad. And for them to climb all the way back up to, I think they finished like 17th or 18th in the league. Respect. It was Respect. pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it ended up being respectable. The special team is going to be huge. And I just, the thing that stops me from saying the Kraken are going to win the series is Philip Grubauer and the goaltending. I said yesterday, I wouldn't be shocked if we see both goaltenders in this series. And I think that's really going to be the part that holds me back from saying the Kraken can win this series is the goaltending. And if the Avs can stay healthy and put this team away in five, you will just take it and go because if this goes six or seven, all bets are out the window. It, that, that's a coin flip. Yeah, and one one more point I do want to bring up as Christian brings up the power play and the special teams where the Avs probably do have that advantage as well. So the Kraken are going to have to lean on even strength scoring where Nathan McKinnon topped the league and Miko Rantanen was only second to David Pasternak in, in even strength goals. Again, really do respect the Kraken. It's an interesting thing predicting playoff series because when you predicted a series to end in five, it just comes off as disrespectful and you don't believe in this team whatsoever. But the second you say six, it's like, oh, well, it's going to be a very close and tight series. It's just funny how that works sometimes. So I'm (laughs) sticking with the abs in five, but I also do want to make it clear that if this does go deep and the Kraken can really give the abs a run for their money. I'm not going to be surprised. This is a good hockey team that the avalanche, if they take lightly and underestimate them at any point, even if they're up three Oh, in the series or three, one, 
it's going to come back to bite them and they need to be able to put this team away. I like the even strength, but I have to mention my counter to you saying that would be the Kraken are literally statistically the best five on five team in the entire NHL. So if you want to go even strength, we're like, let's do it. And again, that all comes down to our depth. As far as special teams go, um, our power play all season. I mean, we had like little, I guess like flashes where it looked like it was coming together. The PK for us since the end of January has been insane. One of the best in the NHL, I think like top three or top five. Um, I'm not sure where they finished. I haven't had a chance to look that up. My question when it comes to that, as I'm watching as a Kraken fan is, is that a fluke? Did the team or the, did the team actually figure something out? Because like you said, with McCarr coming back, we're going to need to be ready for that. Jeff, where, where's your head with that? I think they figured it out, you know, but yeah. there's just, there's just so many different ways to look at this. I think I'm going to boil it down <laughs> to this. I'm going to, I'm going to, this series to me, um, as a Kraken fan, it comes down to game one and I need, okay. I, I need the Kraken to come out and just cause chaos and put the abs on their heels immediately. And they've got to treat this like a play in game, you know, which I hope never happens. I, I do not like that in the NBA, um, no. but they've got to treat that. They've got to treat it like that. And I think if the Kraken can come out and if they can win game one, I think, I think that's it. I mean, look, Joey said, I'm, I'm Jeff Lasso. I'm Ted Lasso, but I think the Kraken could, I'm not even gonna say I could do this. I think they could do this in six. I'm going for like straight up Columbus shocks, Tampa Bay type stuff. Now, and okay. Columbus was a shitty, a way shittier team when they did that, by the way, um, that was on Tampa Bay. So, you know, for me, they've got to win game one. And I think if they do, it's like, what the hell is going on? Who is this team? And I, I, it really even has nothing to do with the avalanche. I'm just so pissed off at the rest of the league for not respecting this team at all. And they've really put together such a great season. They've got a, a good team. So I'm going to say Kraken in six. And your listeners are going to be like, this guy smokes crack. And guess what? Yes, I just got done with the big old crack fight. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go slightly Jeff Lasso here. Give me Kraken in seven. I want this to be like, like you said, the longer this series plays out, I think it favors Seattle. Um, I think game one is obviously pivotal. The more we can stop you motherfuckers from playing blink 182 in Denver, I think the better <laughs> off we will be like, we gotta, we gotta stop that. Cause the crowd gets way into it is too much of an advantage. This is my last question. And it's more specifically for you, Christian, because I know you're in Colorado. So we talked about this. Yeah. I'll uh, try before. not to feel left out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you spent some time in Denver. You might have an answer too. I don't know if you got a chance yeah. to, uh, to go to some bars out there. But so we were talking about this before we started recording. So I went to the university of Colorado, lived in Denver, you know, ninth and Ogden right around the corner from King supers, like love Colorado. I have family out there that as I roost, I loosely rooted for them um, until the cracking came into existence. I'm born and raised in Washington state. Um, my question to you is, and this is a shout out to everybody, everybody that's listening. That's a, that's in Colorado and is an as fan. Uh, rest in peace to the Blake Street Tavern shutting down in Denver. That's a fucking atrocity. That bar is a staple of the city. It breaks my heart. So my question is to you, Christian, if you have to go somewhere, because I know like I, you mentioned where you're at, 
if you have to go somewhere to watch a game and it's not at Ball Arena and you have to pick a bar, what's a good spot in Denver uh, to watch brutal. the games from? Uh, we actually were not, and they were potentially going to sponsor the show before they went out yeah. of business. So that that sucked. Uh, oh. I, I think the obvious answer, I know they're a competitor of ours, but we're not even in the same stratosphere as them as DMVR. It's a, uh, it's a bar on York and Colfax. Uh, it's pretty okay. brand new. They, they they have like their own abs podcast. I, I know they're technically uh, a competition of us, but like I said, we're like, we're pretty small compared to them. Uh, I don't know if they even know we exist, but uh, it's a they great do. place to watch a game. Um, I really like going there. We went there to watch what was that game three or game four of St. Louis? Griffin? It was, uh, game four against St. Louis, the Nazem Kadri hat trick. And the DVR bar is phenomenal what a fantastic experience that was for me only my my third avalanche game in denver the bar we went to the game before was was excellent as well but it, it does not even compare to the atmosphere yeah. that was there at dnvr and dnvr is i would i don't even want to call them like competitor like they're just something that i actively consume as an avalanche fan all of their content and everything i have a lot of respect for them as well and what they do over there and the fact that they provide that kind of atmosphere for avalanche fans to to watch all of those games is i believe excellent it's one of my favorite memories of being in denver last season for the playoff run was getting to experience that nazem kadri hat trick with everybody there everyone's running around the place high-fiving like it it was an absolute blast being there so i'm totally on board with you there even if i've only been like three that hat trick was such a giant fuck you to the rest of the league, by the way, because he was, oh, yeah. was so much great. shit all season. My last toe um, is Stoney's. Is Stoney's still around? Is that a good spot to watch the game? Oh, shit. I haven't thought about that place in a long damn time. Um, <laughs> I'm I, getting old, I, man. I, I don't know if it's even. No, I, I mean, I'm old, around. too. Uh, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I, I've, I've lived in the suburbs too long that I've been uh, I've been desensitized to the bar yeah. scene. But yeah. uh, I, I thought that's all I needed to know. But I, I appreciate the honesty. Yeah, I, I I laugh at this though, guys, because this is fun for us. Because last year when we interviewed the uh, the Preds guys from Catfish on Ice, they were more confident in the Abs winning than we were. They were like, well, they were right. They, they were like, <laughs> yeah, they were. Me and Griffin were like, this series is going six. Like, and they're like, no, the Abs are probably going to sweep us, I and think, if not, I think five. they literally said, you don't have to be nice to us. This series is not going to be close. At <laughs> yeah. So it's fun being on this side of it uh, where I, I completely agree both. I think this is going to be a very competitive series. Yeah. This is going to be a very fun series between two good teams. Hopefully it's the start of a new rivalry uh, because the NHL needs that desperately is some more rivalries. I would love to see that. And the only thing that sucks is the start time of these series. 8 p.m. start time every time is going to be absolutely fucking brutal. Oh. And Ooh. it's going to be. PM Christian, <laughs> I'm recording podcasts afterwards until 3 a.m. I love it. I will never ever complain about it, but it's gonna get a little difficult as I'm like in my last semester of college and also trying to like write theses and graduate at the same time. So that, that'll be a lot of fun, dude. Dude, uh, uh, okay. So uh, I'm 43 and have three kids. Like I'm fucked. I'm absolutely look at, look at your background. Look at the kids room you got going on. I'm in the playroom. Okay. So like <laughs> just get some Red Bull and power through it. I, I grew up in the era of the Red Wings in the Western Conference. Oh, as that's you know. yeah, I forgot about that. So I lived in the East Coast time watching the like again, one in the morning, you know, before podcasts were even a 
goddamn thing. Uh, I was just up watching games, right? Couldn't even text my friends because that didn't exist. Um, <laughs> like just watching the games, watching the, the 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 post game, it is absolutely brutal, you know. And and too for your listeners, like you know, we're cracking guys, but we're not in Seattle. We're both in New Orleans, basically the New Orleans area in Louisiana. So it's like even weirder that we're you know big time cracking fans. But <laughs> oh, I mean, it's it, it it's uh, one thing I've learned with this network is uh, everyone's all over the place covering whichever team. Like it's you're just the, you're the anomaly, Christian. You actually live. Yeah, in- I'm like the only only one here who's in the state that covers the team. And I, it's not like I was planned. Like you just saw me on Twitter and just sent me a DM and here oh, yeah. we are two years later. So that's awesome. Yeah. I think yeah. Um, I, I, the only, the only way I'll be shocked is in this series is if like, I agree is if the Avs win, it's, will it go seven games? You know, I don't know. But like, I think every single game should be tight. Like, I will be shocked if I, we're talking to you guys again in like three weeks and going like, "Oh shit, you guys did win in five games, and you know, in all of those wins, we got destroyed." So like, that's where. But again, I I don't know what to expect. I really don't. We've we've actually seen a lot of consistency from this team over the entire season. I expect that to continue. But at the same time, like, I don't know. Things things get weird in the playoffs. You know, yeah, things switch. It's so yeah. serious. There's there's you know, you can't take it lightly. They're going into this, you know, we did say there's no pressure, but of course there's pressure. Like they want to make playoffs. an impact. They want to make something happen, right? It's playoffs. You, you only, only want to win the first playoff series. You only have your first playoff series one time. This, even if you win the second one, you're still one and one at that point. You only get to score your first playoff goal in franchise history one time, get your first playoff win in franchise history one time. I mean, it's going to be, a lot of fun. We've seen a lot of these series in the past. I appreciate you guys being honest with your predictions as well and not trying to, to sugarcoat it for our listeners. And I, I really appreciate your guys' perspective on the Kraken and what we can expect from this series because I think that's important when it comes to looking at series. You can look at your team all the live long day and what can they do best and everything, but styles make fights. It's a very old boxing adage, fighting adage, that styles make fights. And this, I think the Kraken are going to make this series very interesting, maybe more interesting than people are going to be comfortable with as Avs fans. Because ever since we lost our first playoff series to Nashville in six games in almost a similar spot to where you guys are right now as the the vibe team with no expectations, the Avalanche have lost two games in the first round, period. They've gone, they beat Calgary 4-1, to one, they beat Arizona 4-1, to one, and they're currently on a 10-game winning streak in the first round. So I have been trying to temper people's expectations that that's not how it's supposed to be. You know, <laughs> normally teams, you know, have interesting series in the first round. And I, I think the Kraken are going to bring that to us. And there's going to be people that are pretty uncomfortable with how this goes, because the Kraken are a very good team. That's going to give the avalanche fits in some areas. The three yeah. matchups this season, um, every game was decided by one goal. That's all I got to say. I think it's going to be tight no matter what happens. Yep. You know, couldn't agree more. As um, what I've learned about Joey and as a you know Michigan native and what I've learned from our Kraken fans in Seattle and Joey being a Washington State guy is that um, sports fans in Seattle can be very pessimistic, but also very stat driven. And Griff, you just 
dropped some horrible stats on us about these first round uh, <laughs> records. And now I'm honestly shitting my pants a little bit here. So I went opposite. I was like, in my, as he was saying that I was like, someone say they peaked too early, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so they're bound to lose eventually. Right. Yeah. They're going to lose eventually. Right. Someone's got to do it. Well, yeah. then there's also the first round Nathan McKinnon as well, which has become a legend here over the last few years. I think that is probably going to be a huge X factor in this series. Bold take, Nathan McKinnon's going to be important in this series. But it's a matter of the guy had 10 points in four games last year against Nashville and stomped them into the dust. And how well can the Kraken contain him? And Miko Rantanen was sick going into the playoffs last year, and it affected him pretty much throughout the whole thing, where I believe he only scored about five goals in the entire run. And only one, none of them. They were all in the Western Conference final. And I think only one was in the first two rounds into an empty net. And all the other ones were against Edmonton at that point. And Miko Rantanen is coming into this series off of the best season of his life with 55 goals only behind Pasternak in even strength goals. Like I'm, I'm just very excited for this series more than I thought I would be going up against probably for the first time in my hockey life, a team that I can say I like in the playoffs because you you normally don't have those teams in the same conference as you. But I think this is going to be a a very interesting series. These playoffs as a whole are going to be very interesting. But if you guys have any closing thoughts on this matchup, now's the time. I think um, one thing I wanted to ask you guys is, uh, as I'm the oldest one here, in this uh in this podcast room um i remember when steve eisman raised the cup for the first time sorry to you know bring that up to you guys yeah, but i was i wasn't too bothered by it i wasn't alive so you weren't alive yet but i, I was <laughs> i was literally wasn't born so no was... you, you weren't but uh you know you've seen the video right so uh you know um but like <laughs> i remember that moment i remember where i was i'm not gonna lie i cried it was incredible so you guys got to witness Stanley cup in this last run. What was like the moment and not like, you know, not, not an on ice moment, but like, what was the the moment, you know, from skating around with the cup or like celebrations um, after the fact or parade or whatever, like what was like the standout moment for you in that sort of post Stanley cup win um, celebration? I've got a giant smile on my face right now because I'm just racking through all those happy memories right now. So we were in Ball Arena, me and Christian, for game six against Tampa Bay at the watch party. We had very good seats. And honestly, Christian, that was just such a blur at that moment, wasn't it? Like if I did I'm struggling to remember a lot of it just because it all doesn't feel real. Yeah. But like I look back on the videos and I'm like, Jesus. Yeah, there's well, a video that I started taking with about two minutes left. And you can just hear me screaming that I can't feel my arms because my arms are just entirely numb holding the the camera up. Uh, we're both screaming our lungs out. And one of my favorite moments of it is there's there's a random guy next to me, super nice guy, one of the nice people I've ever met. And we just embrace each other in a massive bear hug, which shatters the glasses that I have on my chest. And I, <laughs> I don't even notice it until the next day when I go to put them back on again. Like, oh, uh, the lens has snapped off and has... <laughs> is probably still on the floor at ball arena right now. Uh, but that whole thing, the parade, the going back home and recording that episode with like, it didn't feel real really even like going to bed. Like I was, I went to bed like surprisingly calm. Cause it just, it, it didn't feel real. 
really. Like that whole experience was incredible. And I compare it to 2018 when when the Capitals won and everything. This one, even though it was the second time I saw a team win a cup, it was better. The celebration, like credit to Colorado and Denver, was phenomenal and better than what the Capitals put on in 2018. Like I just, it really took a couple. To be fair, the Caps had that much practice with Stanley Cup championship parades. The Avs have done it three times. Right. (laughs) They had some good practice with it. You know how to put on a show. At that point, yeah. the cap, the caps one was a friggin' mess. I was shocked at how well the avalanche ran that Stanley cup parade, but the whole thing, like it took probably weeks until I, I got back home to Maryland for it to really like, Oh my God, that really happened. Didn't it? It, the whole thing from, from top to bottom was an incredible experience. And I'm, I'm sure Christian, you agree as well. Yeah. I mean, for me, when the Avs won their cups early, I was so young. Like I was like less than 10 years old when they won their first two. So this was, this was the first one that uh, I got to see. And you guys will find this story funny. I've told this on the podcast before my dad was in the arena for game seven against the devils in 2001. He was able to sneak a video camera in and record like the cup celebration. And which was very hard to do back in the day because you couldn't take (laughs) videos on your cell phones. And me and my brother were, I was seven and he was five and we messed around with this videotape and erased the entire cup celebration in the final five minutes. Uh, So you'll see like the, you'll see it with like a minute left and then it'll just cut to me and my brother being stupid in our family room when we were kids. Uh, I don't think my dad's ever forgiven me for that. um, I was, he shut it. No, it, I would have. I would have put yeah. you up for adoption. I'm not even gonna lie. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was. I look back on that now, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I was such an idiot there. Uh, but we were kids, so for me, like the big thing that really, like, my sister was with me, my cousin was with me, uh, Griffin was there, and we were watching it, and just like that pure jubilation of winning and high-fiving strangers, hugging strangers, like going into the parking lot afterwards and like jumping for joy. Those will be the memories I'll remember forever. And I want that feeling again. And I think that's, that's really what I'm looking forward to most. Um, my favorite memory was the Nazem Kadri game winner in game five, game four, because no one knew the puck went in. It was such a delayed celebration for oh, all yeah. of us. I, I have the video um, on that too. Yeah, and no one knew it went in, and then it was just – that was a crazy moment. There were so many fun things that happened uh, in that entire run. Like, memories I'll remember for the rest of my life. And uh, I, I've told this on the podcast, too. My girlfriend, she's not much of a hockey fan, and she's she's come to games with me, and she's been to two playoff games in her life since we've been dating, and the Avs have won both those games a combined 14 to nothing. Uh, she's been to two seven nothing games in the playoffs for the abs and she Keep always jokes she goes like yeah like she's like uh she's like is this what playoff hockey is like I'm like no it's not supposed to be this easy they are usually so stressful um she right won't there. be at game one uh Sweet. but she's planning to go to game right two. there so we're still in game one baby we're still in game <laughs> well, one we're gonna get blown out of game two we're gonna come home to seattle one one series let's go there you go so see the problem with that is i will not be there which gives the avalanche a great chance to win because the avalanche in the playoffs last year went 16 and four three of them were at home i attended three games <laughs> oh. oh god and 
all and they were all of the ones they lost. The only one that they lost on the road was my first day on my second trip to Colorado, game three against Tampa. I went to game two against St. Louis, game five against St. Louis, and game five against Tampa. They lost all of them. So I'm not going to be there. So I like the abs chance. There's some good luck there. Yeah. Juju has it evened out. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. 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 Holy smokes. Yeah. But awesome, guys. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, Yeah. I cannot wait for Tuesday and just watching some fun playoff hockey. I'm glad the fans of Seattle get to experience it because it is a torture that is unlike anything known to man watching playoff hockey. So I'm excited to see it. Uh, Griffin, you got any other final thoughts before we wrap up here? No, I think you nailed it right on the head to all of our wonderful listeners at the Hockey Podcast Network in Seattle that have had the the pleasure of being able to enjoy the Kraken Pod over the last two years. Uh, we really appreciate getting to know you guys over the last little bit. Hope you can come visit us on the Teledabs Diz podcast during or after the series. We would really appreciate it. But again, you guys, thank you both so much for coming on and sharing your perspective. This has been a, a very, very fun conversation. I really appreciate you guys coming on with us today. And if you want to plug your stuff, where can people find you? Feel, feel feel free to go right ahead. Yes. Yeah. Uh, at Kraken Pod all over social media. We try to be the... Uh the Kraken meme experts uh, and, and <laughs> we have fun. We're a fun podcast. You know, you know, you may have picked it up in this, but we're not super stat driven. We're, we're vibes. We're vibes podcast. And the vibes have been good in Seattle. been very blessed to have such a fun run so far. Um, I wish nothing but pain and suffering for you guys as uh, Colorado <laughs> avalanche fans. But um, at the end of the day, you know, as a hockey fan, I've, I've been, uh, into watching hockey and playing hockey until I moved to Louisiana for my entire life. And um, I really respect the team that you guys have built. Um, not the team that I grew up hating as a Detroit Rivings fan. And I think that you guys got something awesome going on and I wish you nothing but luck um, next year, next year, this year is our year, but anyway, sure. hey, right. thank you guys for asking us to come on. This is pretty cool to be able to talk about the, the Seattle Kraken in the freaking NHL playoffs. So we're, uh, we're just pumped and, and we agree. We can't wait to, Till, till Tuesday night. So thank you guys so much. Yeah, absolutely. Again, we really appreciate you guys coming on, spend some time with us today and we'll see you guys again on Tuesday for game one between the Colorado avalanche and the Seattle Kraken. Let the fun begin. Seattle fans. If you've listened this far in on the Kraken pod, enjoy the ride, but don't enjoy it too much, obviously, <laughs> but enjoy the, enjoy the fun and the stress of the Stanley cup playoffs. If this is your first time, because it, it doesn't get better than this in sports. So we really appreciate all listeners on both shows joining us today. Avs fans at the Teledavs podcast, Kraken fans at the Kraken pod. You are all the best here at the Hockey Podcast Network, supporting us time and time again. But again, thank you, Joey, and thank you, Jeff, for joining us today. And let's go, Avs, baby. Good luck, boys. <laughs> Those guys are great. Also, super young i feel so old dude yeah what the fuck like uh i forget i was it was it griffin i was mentioning it but yeah like wrapping up college and being like a 22 year old i was like all right dude we get it come on dude like come on and and also too i was like i was like you you heard me in the in the interview kind of like talking about some of the like avalanche detroit red wing stuff and they kind of were quiet because they weren't freaking alive (laughs) 
No, they weren't alive for it. Like you were, you were going down memory lane, and as you were doing it mentally, I'm like, Jeff, they were not born. I was like mid, like late '90s Avalanche, Detroit Red Wings. Oh my god, I was like 17, 18. Like that was incredible. You got the energy, and da 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 da, da and like. And they're awesome. They love the Avalanche and super passionate about the Avalanche. He was like, and yeah, like, I think I saw the, your memory on YouTube once. I was born in 2000. You're like, son of a... Damn it. Yeah. Uh, they, when they were born, you were stalking players as they were driving to bars after winning the Stanley oh, Cup, you know? Right, you were, when he was... drinking beers in parking lots already. I think it was Christian. You know, he was two years old and I was, yeah, I was uh, 20 and I was... <laughs> Uh, going after the Red Wings Stanley Cup win in 2002. So, but they're awesome. Tell it as it is. Fantastic. Um, great insight. And this Avalanche team is scary good. I do think. I do think that the Kraken could win this. And and I, I think, think we scared them. I think we scared them when we started breaking down like all of our you know strengths and they are bringing it up theirs. And I was like, okay, great. Here's a counterpoint. It seemed like they were starting to change their their uh, predictions there a little bit. They're still obviously, you know, taking the abs, but uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. I saw I saw some fear in their eyes, Jeff. You know, I I think so. I can't, I can't tell if they were being nice or not. Mm, yeah, you know, they could have been. I'm not sure, but at the same time, they did seem a little scared. That's you know what, what I'm, I'm I'm saying. Like they they seemed a little bit uh, they seemed fearful of the Kraken. I, I yeah. you know. I don't know. I mean, they are they are missing Landeskog, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So, um, all right. So, DraftKings Sportsbook, you've got to man the playoffs with this. Now, I'm not betting on the Kraken. I just I'm putting the good vibes parlay away. But I got to tell you, is I am betting on other. Uh, I joined. They have a cool um, playoff. A bracket pool that I joined, which is pretty cool. Um, I think I'll probably lose in the first round, but anyway, it's, it's kind of neat. Basically, DraftKings Sportsbook was official sports betting partner of the NHL and the NBA, by the way. The NBA playoffs are are in full swing, which is awesome. It's a great yes. time to be into the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Um, you, it, you can find so many different ways to have fun with this, and you don't have to spend a ton of money. You can if you want, and it's a great way to to have some fun watching some sports. Um, they're an official sports betting partner of the NBA and the NHL. When it comes to the NBA, new customers can make a $5 pregame money line bet and score 150 bucks in bonus bets if their team wins. Uh, no sweat, same game parlay every day during the playoffs. Um, you can opt in to all these different things. Like I told you, bracket challenges, that sort of stuff. Um, there's also two same game parlays for NBA games. And if you don't hit, if you get in, if you opt into this, you get a bonus bet, a bet back up to 10 bucks. So long story short, there's so many ways to win uh, with DraftKings Sportsbook. You've got to download the app now. Sign up with the code THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network. We are proud members of that. New customers can make a $5 pregame money line bet, score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Only at DraftKings uh, Sportsbook. Use the code THPN. See our show notes for details and, of course, all those sorts of rules and regulations when it comes to gambling in your state. So thank you, DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now, note on questions. Excuse me. I'd like to ask you a few questions. This actually just came in hot off the press last night, uh, Joey, nice. after watching the the Kings-Oilers game. Like I mentioned, I went to bed. It was 2-0 oil, uh, and then I woke up, and the Kings had won in overtime, and they had two overtimes. 
So this question came in. I saw it this morning on the Kraken Pod Facebook page uh, in the messages from Dave Mox Morris. Hey, guys. Hope you're both well. I've got a hashtag no dumb questions question for you. Is OT different in the playoffs? I was just checking the score from the Wild Stars game, and it said they were playing a second OT period. Um, wait, were they playing? Did that go to overtime? I don't think it went to overtime. Let me check that real quick. Let me just double check. Because if I if that's the case, I just I'm saw gonna... all the it I just did. saw all the blowback from the dirty hit. Yeah, yeah. So totally, totally missed that. Um, that went to two overtimes, and he's absolutely correct. Um, shoot, that has made it actually even more interesting. What a series that's going to be! Holy smokes, yeah. it already is. But um, to answer your question, yeah, Dave, it is absolutely different. Uh, overtime in the playoffs is just they add on another period, and that's the easiest way to explain it. It's full regular five on five. No three-on-three BS, no shootouts, full 20-minute overtimes, and that's it. And you'll you'll note, if this is the first time watching the playoffs with the Kraken in it, that playoff hockey is just different. It's tighter. It's less loose. And if you get to overtime, nobody wants to make a mistake. So a lot of times what happens is, you know, knowing that it's sudden death, players are super conservative, and they're not doing crazy stuff because every player out there just does not want to screw up and be that person who, you know, sacrificed the game for their team. So a lot of times I feel like you're going to see multiple overtimes, which, of course, if you're on the East Coast or even Central Time Zone like we are, and you're watching, like, say, uh, a, a game in, on the Pacific Coast, you're screwed because you're up till 1 or 2 in the morning. Um, but it does, it does add up. I do believe we're going to see an overtime game uh, with the Seattle Kraken team against the Avalanche. Um, and if you're wondering, too, what are the longest overtime games in NHL playoff history? There's been several really long ones over the past, you know, 10, 20 years. Um, a couple of those of note in 2020, Tampa, Columbus. Um, that was in the first round. Um, that was when uh, I believe Columbus upset. Was that when they upset the uh Tampa Bay? No, that's when Tampa went on the cup run. But they went uh, five overtimes. Five overtimes, and uh, that was an extra. That was like, what, a, a full-on, like, um, uh, what is that? Five overtimes. How much time is that? That's a lot. Well, 20-minute sh- periods with 15-minute intermission. So you have, what, 20 times five. <clears throat> so that's another 100 extra minutes of hockey. Yeah, and you just in the 15 minute intermissions. There's what going to be four of those. So that's 60. So that's an extra 160 minutes. So you're yeah. looking at over two extra hours of hockey. I have heart palpitations, honestly, just thinking about that. So <laughs> it's the <laughs> like, greatest that's, feeling. That's, that's really stressing me out because, like we talked about uh, with the guys from Teledavs, it is the three games that the Kraken played against the Avalanche this season were all decided by one goal. And yeah. I will not be surprised to see a, a game or two go to overtime now fortunately when it comes to five on five the kraken are the best in the league so i'm i'm cool with us being at even strength so as long as we play smart but yeah i'm, I'm nervous and and i'm also thankful for no shootout because every kraken fan that knows that when it comes to the shootout we, we don't we don't want any part of that <laughs> no no and that would be terrible they're they're never going to change that overtime uh, in the NHL and the playoffs is perfect. They can't screw with it. It's absolutely perfect. And uh, I did I did see that you put in a note there, which is key, is there is a normal intermission between yes. 
period. So you have to, God, can you, you imagine know. the cramps? Like, dude, get me an IV and like some no, power. Yeah. I'm freaking struggling over here. No, it's, it's, it's intense. I just can't, I cannot wait for you, Joey, and you listening. If this is your first playoff experience, watching your team in the playoffs, it's just, the, it's the best. It's the best. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have the high hopes that the Kraken will do well, but should they not, it'll still be exciting. So, you know, I do hope, like I said, that they, they've got, I think they've got to come out and win game one in Colorado. And if they do that, and I forgot the, I, I haven't looked it up, but like most of the time, the team that wins game one ends up, ends up winning the series. Yeah. The percentage so, is, is really high. If you, if you take game one, the odds are, the odds are definitely in your favor. Katniss, Katniss style. So I'm with yeah. you. Exactly. So that's an awesome question, Dave. If you've got a no dumb questions question for us, hit us up in the DMs or wherever, Facebook, Twitter, unless you're the spam account, you know, even, hey, even TikTok, uh, Instagram, all that good stuff. So thank you for those. Yeah, by the way, Instagram, like it's starting to slowly get up there. I would love to hit 500 followers on Instagram soon. We've been posting more stuff on there. So please give us a follow at Crack. Uh, you can find us everywhere at Crack and Pod, but check us out. Instagram, uh, you know, TikTok, the whole deal. Just, you know, become part of the Crack and Pod fam and uh, support us there. Well, dude, I'm telling you, this is part of my goal, and we're not making this official until we confirm it off air with Joey. But uh, over the summertime, as the Kraken retool their team, we're retooling this podcast, and I'm telling oh, yeah, you, man, we we got to get sponsorships so we can pay. We we need a social media team. I'm, I'm fully I, convinced. I agree because uh, so, we're, we're pretty stretched thin over here. It's a we two- can make the content operation. It's a two man operation. Telling you though, we need so just hey, you listening right now? I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Yeah. You might be seeing something in the in the summertime asking for some help. So heads up. Please help us. We got to hit that shit up, man. We need people to make Instagram stories and put all the stickers on it and like the cool filters and put like like little baby filters on Joey's face and shit. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. I'm with you, brother. Three stars of the week. Three stars of the week. This is where Joey and I kind of rank what's been going on in our personal lives. And uh, we put that up there in the in the three stars of the week. Sometimes it's hockey related. Lots of times it's not. Uh, last week, I believe Joey, you did go first. Did I get that right for the first time ever? Do we? <laughs> it's like a running bit that we never know. Yeah, you go first this week. I, I, I never remember. We can't even remember what freaking episode number we're on. Let alone, let alone who went first in the freaking three stars of the week. Uh, three stars of the week. My third star is the Super. <laughs> Mar- I don't know. Whatever. I have no idea. Super <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Uh, saw the movie over the weekend with the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, solid movie, solid movie. Heard um, it was good. It was pretty good. It was a good movie. What I really liked about it was that it was like pure Super Mario Brothers look. Okay. Now, do you remember? Like the guys from the Tell Is It Tell It As It Is podcast have no idea what we're talking about. Like, yeah. but the original Super Mario Brothers movie from like the nineties. Do you remember that one? Oh my god, legendary! Wasn't John Lig- Liguizamo in that movie? Yes. Yes. I, yeah, I love. I was. Obs- yeah. Wait. Or that, yeah. Yeah. I, I love mm-hmm. that movie. So yes. Yeah. So this was like this looks like you were playing um Mario Kart, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that's what I really appreciated was that it, it was exact animation, exact look as the games. So that was pretty cool. And the story I thought was um was was fun. It was a fun it was a fun movie. Um you you I don't know if, how much time you spent on TikTok, but Jack Black's performance as uh, Bowser King Koopa um, has kind of stole the show, and like the number one trending audio on on TikTok right now, the viral you know sounds to use in your TikToks uh-huh. is his piano ballad about Princess Peach. Ooh, 
I like it. You need to you need to listen to it because I um you know I I I know you're a Jack Black fan and uh, uh, oh I know you are as soon as you said Mario movie I'm like Jeff Jeff was most looking forward to Jack Black's part in the whole thing I forgot he was he was Koopa <laughs> until like twenty minutes in I was like oh that's Jack Black holy shit this is cool um but anyway it was a fun movie and the Peaches song I'm laughing when he was singing it and uh, I, I highly recommend especially if you have kids the kids loved it which is pretty cool so. Uh, here's an idea. This is this idea is for Costco Daddy. So if you can give uh, Costco oh, yeah. Daddy heads up, I'm talking to him right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. What if you use that audio while you're at Costco doing Costco Daddy things, buying yourself some peaches? That's a great idea. Okay, that's all. I'm, that's should, all. I'm full of Jeff. I just have great ideas over here. Your Costco Daddy social media director. Okay, just done. Saying. We also need to yeah. think of a of a particular clothing item that you wear every time you're you're Costco daddy because you gotta you gotta brand yourself a little bit. Okay, yeah, you're right, Costco daddy. No, even I, if it's something like you're wearing sunglasses on the inside, you know what I'm saying? Like Costco daddy, you know, or maybe you got like a like a like a pullover or like a well, like half zip. I recently mentally committed to like stop half assing everything in my life and go a thousand percent into okay. things that I'm doing, and that could be if I'm going to do it, I got to do it a thousand percent. So like, just like this podcast, you know, I maybe have to do Costco daddy a thousand percent. So yeah. not a bad idea. Maybe I do need to go to Costco. So that could happen. Okay. My third star of the week is going to the hit TV show, Barry, which has returned as of Sunday on HBO, Bill Hader acting in it, produced it, the whole deal. It is, in my opinion, the best show on TV right now. I actually, so I have not seen the first episode. I actually think they released two episodes on Sunday, but I have not seen uh, the premiere yet of this new season. I've been too busy. I'm looking forward to hopefully catching up on it here soon, but oh my God, like from episode one, the show completely sucks you in. It's a really, like it's a, a genuinely like original and unique concept. The show was fucking fantastic. I did not know that Hater had these like different gears in him when it comes to acting. It's cast perfectly. Um, I just I'm I'm in love with the show. I'm so happy it's back. I cannot wait to catch up on it. For anyone that watches Barry, they know what I'm talking about because they are as obsessed as I am. It is it is incredible. So Barry HBO is back. Dude, so like you're like again, you're like my guide for anything that uh, like forget TV guide, which again the tell it as it is guys have no idea what that is. Um, nope. But uh, do you? Oh yeah, dude, I remember TV guy because I remember getting home and like wanting to see what was on TV and then putting it on the one channel and then you had to sit there for thirty minutes while it just like scrolled up. Oh no 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 no! Like, I'm, I'm, I'm that background. I'm, oh, but my grandma also had that physical guides. So I okay, there you go. Yeah. Them. Yeah, I would yeah. flip the pages to see what time. Uh, she also had a rotary phone. So, you know, I'm actually starting to get to the age where I'm like, oh, shit, I am getting old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, rotary phones are badass because, they. first of all, like um, they were, you know, if you had one that was on the wall, it weighed like 50 pounds. Oh, and so heavy, dude. When you were a little kid trying to get the receiver off the hook, which is where the hang up thing comes from, right? Yeah, Because you used to actually hang the – the receiver on the actual hook to hang the phone up. Yes. Which is very, miss, very therapeutic, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It felt oh. great to do. It was like, ah, hang up on you. somebody. Oh, yeah. 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 But like, if you missed and it fell on your head, your little kid head, it weighed like 10 pounds and it like <laughs> would leave a knot on your head. 
Yeah, dude, it was yeah, it was brutal. It was brutal. <laughs> anyway, thank you for being my TV guide. I think that's uh, I need to watch that, dude. So yeah, I'm, Gary I'm, on HBO. It really is the best TV show. And you know, I've only briefly met your wife. I'm going to go bold prediction here. We'll also love it. Like it is a show that you two can watch together. I'm just throwing that out there. It will blow you both away. It is just an incredible, incredible, incredible show, and I think uh, you'd really need to check it out. And also, by the way, quick episodes. They, like, there's no intro, no nothing. It's just like, boom, it starts. 30, 40 minutes later, done, and you're just like, what just happened? Like, it, it rolls real quick. I do appreciate that because there are there – are, it's a lot of filler in, in some, some shows unnecessarily. Barry does not fuck around, man. Every, every minute is very useful, and the episodes go by quick, and then it, you just, it makes you leaving like wanting more. Yeah, I watched the last episode of The Last of Us. Um, okay. Love the freaking series. But that last episode, I was like, I could have only, I mean, really only 15 minutes of that mattered to me. So I get it. I get it. I, uh, as somebody who knows where this story is going, I understand why they had to set it up that way. That's all. I'm got it. Say. Okay. No, I'm, I'm totally in. I'm not going. So but, here, my, my second star, I actually, I never re- do TV, but I think I'm going to, cause I forgot about this. Cause I, uh, kind of was like, uh, drunk both nights. So I don't watch this, but I watched it. Two <laughs> nights in a row. My second star was, I wasn't drunk, but I was like close to it. Um, anyway, so like my second star was, we bought a treadmill. My wife's friend, who's a doctor, had a patient who was selling a treadmill. So we went to this old lady's house, nicest old lady, and we bought a treadmill for 250 bucks. I've been wanting one forever because in South Louisiana, you know, exercising outside after April is just through through basically September is off limits. Um, and I've been wanting a treadmill for a while. So we bought this treadmill for 250 bucks. Somehow my wife and I got it in our house. Heavy as shit. I, I completely fucked up the floor. Um, so that's great. Uh, but we got it in there. But so I'm, I'm I have two two stars, two second stars. The other one, dude, on Netflix, the redeem team. What is this? I thought, docu- gonna drop a, I thought you were going to drop a love is blind on me. I was, no. I was bracing myself for that. No, the redeem team uh-huh. is a documentary on Netflix. It is, it covers the 2008 NBA Olympic team and what they did to win in Beijing, the gold. And they're okay. called, they're called the redeem team because after the 1992 dream team, Basically, USA Basketball was like, yeah, we're just going to assemble a bunch of uh, all-stars from the NBA and we'll start, we'll just dominate the world. Yes. Um, and that quickly st- stopped because the world saw the Dream Team and went, holy shit, like we really love basketball. The rest of the world caught up very quickly. Uh-huh. Uh, and as you know, if you're an NBA fan now, you know it's it's way more of an international sport. And the rest of the world caught up quickly and the U S men's basketball team went through three Olympics of, of losing and um, not winning the gold basically and getting upset. So this follows the story of how they brought in Mike Krzyzewski from Duke, right? Coach, Which, K. Coach K. Right. And um, he, you know, a lot of people don't like him, but he, this story of this team coming in, they committed to meeting for three summers, right? And practicing for three summers before the Beijing Olympics. Whereas before they would literally just have a month of practice and then show up. And then how a year before the Beijing Olympics in that last summer of practice, they brought in Kobe Bryant. And it really turned into like this sort of like tribute to Kobe. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like I am not, I wasn't a Kobe fan. 
but like this kind of made me a Kobe fan. I shed a tear. Like this was an inspired, like I actually, you know, like I, LeBron James, super likable. Yeah. Like all, all these players in this documentary, it's it to me, very inspirational um, movie okay. uh, documentary. Well done. Pumped me up so much that I watched it two nights in a row. And like, Damn. Phen- phenomenal. Like, so I started watching just it. Drunk crying, watching old basketball. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very uh, proud of you right now. Meg fell asleep watching it. She loves this sort of shit. And then the next night she's like, oh yeah, let's watch that. I was like, sweet. So she fell asleep again. And, uh, <laughs> God bless her. I love her. That's uh, why you need Barry in your life. That's right. She fell asleep. Well, that, I, I finished last of us. So, you know, I haven't, I don't have another show. Anyway, I want really inspirational, really well done, really made me like, players that i didn't know that i liked or didn't know anything about and mm-hmm. super cool so the redeem team on netflix is, is awesome i love it okay so. i will have to check that out um that's right up my alley as well my second star of the week is only fans so for now nah, i'm just kidding so my <laughs> second star <laughs> always my, number one yeah, always yeah that's actually my number one star uh check me out uh no so my my second star of the week is just published writing man uh this is something that i've been uh, working on for a while now. And it's one of those things too, where like, I'm just grateful to be part of. So the, like the riding community in new Orleans, everybody that I've encountered, like does not gatekeep at all is very supportive, like lifts each other up. We send each other, um, you know, like job opportunities that we come across that we think others might be interested in. And the whole reason how I even got into this original writers meeting for this magazine is because the friend of mine that had her book launch yesterday uh, sent me the information, the contact information for the executive editor of the magazine. And I just shot my shot and sent over my sub stack and they liked it, invited me in. Um, and now I'm set for the next four issues to be producing pieces for them. Um, and I'm going to the next writer's meeting to pitch some more ideas. So it sounds like, uh, yeah, it just sounds like a, a thing that's going to be steady um, I'm just pretty pumped because I've been working on this for a while now. Um, if people, I'm kind of plugging myself here, but if people are interested in reading my work, and so what I did was, uh, you know, so I was given a 900 word count, which is pretty standard, and it took up an entire page. Again, page 32, good vibes, Seattle Kraken. So I was given a 900 word count, but in, in typical Joey fashion, I wrote a lot more than that. Uh, wrote some pretty vulgar stuff. There was like sexual innuendos involving like gumbo. I actually wrote about like people at Coachella and like people at, on like acid and ecstasy and like all this stuff. They actually kept that in the magazine, Jeff. They, they kept, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. Like they really let me write how I wanted to write, which I appreciate. But anyways, um, my sub stack. So what I did was I saved the original versions of everything I wrote. Right. So like the completely unedited, unfiltered, this is me writing and then submitting it to a magazine where an editor sees it and is like, all right, dude, we got to cut some of this shit out. Um, but I saved the originals. It's in my Substack. So if you go to Substack.com and, or, or, or there's an app for it and just search for I drink and I know nothing, the, the link is also in my Twitter. Um, you can go there. And everything I do on there, by the way, is completely free. Like You can choose to pay me if you really want to. Like, oh, I really support your work. I'm going to pay you whatever. Um, but it is free. So it's public. It's open to everyone. If you're interested in reading my writing, uh, please go there. But um, yeah, man, I'm really pumped. But it's also just the beginning. Like I have some really, really uh, big goals for my writing um, and getting, you know, getting published and getting bylines uh, was a big was a big step in that direction. So now that I've got that under my belt, I'm going to continue doing it. And the hustle has uh, just begun. 
Well, congratulations again. You are an, a very entertaining writer, just like you are. In the, you write just like you are on this podcast, which is entertaining, full of, uh, you know, color and always have some good insight into things. So like you're a fantastic writer. My only advice to you is this is take this energy that you've got now, this like success. Yes. And like 10 times that like done, re- send out your writing samples to like 10 publications, like get hired by everybody, write your ass off and just go. So like you're, you're published, you, you, like you got, you got cred when you already had the street cred. Now you got the actual cred uh, yes. and well-deserved. So just go hard. Um, and don't quit. So good for you, man. Proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Make, trying to make some moves happen, but thank you. Well, uh, who was the writer you hung out with last night? Uh, her name, her name is Mariel Songi. You know who she is. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Nola chick. Yeah. She's yeah. great. Yeah. She's awesome. She is the one that sent me over the information for where. Yeah. And that's how I got in there. But yeah, she wrote a book on, on absinthe and I'll actually plug her really quick. It's called the absinthe frappe, which is a specific absinthe cocktail, but her book is really cool. It's like a little coffee table book. And uh, it goes into like the history of absinthe and like, you know, like the mythology behind it and how people thought it was like poison when Mickey hallucinate and all this stuff. And then she writes about various cocktails and all that. So it's more than it's not just a book for like New Orleanians. It's, it's a book for people that are curious about like cocktails and stuff like that. So check it out. Mariel Songi, the absinthe frappe. Uh, her book release was last night. I was lucky enough to attend. She's great. Support her work and check out her book. That's awesome, man. Well, that she is really cool. She's funny and she's a great follow on Twitter as well. Yes. Um, so that's great. Um, well, I, I see the, I see your notes. You know, we share some Google Docs. So we talked about this quite a bit. I mean, I don't want to take any steam off of you here, but uh, both of our number one stars is the NHL playoffs. Playoffs. Playoffs, baby. And I cannot, like I have to, like my, you know, Megan does not follow hockey. So, she, you know, tonight I'm gonna be like, Hey honey, I'm staying up late to watch a hockey game. She's gonna be like, Oh, are you serious? You're gonna be tired tomorrow. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just got to plan for that shit. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, I got to plan to sleep in, uh, go to bed early and other nights, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. it's just, it's just different. It's just different. And I'm telling you, if you, if you watch other hockey games, watch the other series, obviously we're here to watch the Kraken and I think they're going to beat this team. But watch the rest of the first round and get invested in it because this is the most, as a hockey fan, which if you're not a hockey fan, what the hell are you doing here? Um, and thank you for being here. But like <laughs> two months, two months of just the best hockey. It's just the best. Absolutely something fun to watch. It's really a blessing. So enjoy this run. And I do feel a crack and run coming. Dude, yeah, uh, you echoed everything I was thinking, too. It's obviously my first star of the week as well. But again, I have to say this. For the first time in my life, and I'm speaking for a lot of people, we have a fucking team representing us in the Stanley Cup playoff. This will literally never be something, uh, a feeling, an experience that we can replicate. Um, It's very surreal. I could not be more excited for tonight. I wish I could... Fast forward until, you know, nine o'clock central time for puck drop. But another part of me is also kind of enjoying the slow burn of the day and just the anticipation of the moment. It's going to be a pretty incredible feeling, um, you know, to watch the boys and be like, holy shit, I have a I have a hockey team uh, that's really that's really in this thing. And um, I just could not be more grateful, you know, for the the organization for the people that support it for the Kraken Pod fam for you for everybody man so it's just a great 
it's a great fucking day to be a Seattle Kraken fan. And um, yeah, it's a it's a good feeling. All right, well, let's go. Well, uh, Joey, um, you know, let's go. Let's do it. Kraken are going to win. I think I said uh, in the uh, you said game one up? upset. Game one upset. Game win one at six. Kraken in six. It's my call. I, said I don't. Seven. I said seven. Don't don't. I don't care if I'm wrong, but I'm I'm hanging on to that one. So um, let's enjoy this run. Let's go. So Joey, nice job. Great season so far on the Kraken Pod, and we're going to keep this thing going for a while. Hopefully, this is not. Uh, like our second to last uh, podcast of the season, right? So let's go. <laughs> let's do it. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to the Kraken Pod. Enjoy this. You made it to the playoffs. Your team made it, just like Joey said. So let's go Kraken. Thank you for the support. Thank you for checking out the contest we're doing on Twitter, um, the bracket challenge, all the things that you're doing, the merch. You're loving it. We're seeing it in these tweets. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's go have some fun. So enjoy it. Let's go Kraken. Thank you for listening to the Kraken Pod. We're going to leave you with our chirp of the week. This is where hockey players talk shit to each other on the ice, and they call them chirps. So here is your Kraken Pod chirp of the week. Stay out of the box. Now let's go back to work here, boys. Go back to work. <laughs> <laughs>